it's really I, I love that idea of just like every day doing an act of art. Yes. Um, and it doesn't I think a lot of times it's the ego, it's the critical, you know, faculty in our mind that's like, well, I can't do art or I can't draw or it, I've I've actually there's so many people that say that like I can't draw and I'm like, can you like can you grab a pencil and just like I mean I I just there's a part of me like eventually was just like I think this is bullshit. I just I think that people can literally take a you know, pencil, and as long as they can make a mark, that's drawing. Yeah. It doesn't have to be Michelangelo's, you know, level of the Sistine Chapel, but they can make a mark, and that to me is an act of art on its own. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today's guest is artist Jonathan Nagel. Jonathan is a powerful, creative artist with background in storytelling and creating from soul. He is a filmmaker and illustrator in the field of design, and his two most recent films, Reunion and Infinite Simulations, have won several film festival awards. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review at the top of the show page on Spotify or at the bottom of the show page if you are listening on Apple Podcast. Your opinions matter and your ratings help us to grow and help more people to be healthy, find freedom of body and mind, and to live their dreams. We hope you enjoy listening to Paul and Jonathan talking about soul art. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today, we are going to talk about soul art. I have a very special guest for you, Jonathan Nagel. Jonathan came to my 2023 Mandala workshop while he was there online, but he blew us all completely away with his art. We only had one day to paint, as some of you may know, and so the second day is all about sharing, and then Angie and I do interpretations of everybody's art to add insight to what messages they've left for themselves for their year. Jonathan's art was incredibly powerful and is the basis for our podcast today. And Jonathan's art is loaded with archetypal themes that will touch all of us in our day-to-day lives. And you'll be able to see the art. It'll be available in the show notes. It's going to be very helpful to look at the art as we go through the podcast today. And Jonathan's background is in storytelling, creating from soul, and our title today is Soul Art. Uh, He's a film producer, an illustrator in the field of design, and these are all excellent resources within Jonathan we'll draw from today. And we're going to journey into what the soul is, why creativity is so important to our overall health, well-being, and spiritual development, the key archetypes that emerged in Jonathan's 2023 mandala, and how Jonathan's mandala art carries messages for us all, which is why we're doing a podcast on it. I also feel that after analyzing Jonathan's art, that Jonathan is one of the rare people that that is serving as a vessel to channel new myths. New myths are traditionally channeled and embodied first by shaman, poets, artists, and musicians. Today, Jonathan and I are going to share a dialogue on these important concepts and how they can enhance our life and how they relate to all of us, not just Jonathan. That's what's unique about his art. Even though it was his 2023 mandala, as soon as I began analyzing it, I saw all sorts of archetypal images. And because it's his 2023 art, there's a lot of messages in there, I think, that are really relevant to all of us in 2023. And you're probably going to find as you listen that Many of the things that are in there are already very alive on the world stage. 
And uh, you can see the art, like I said in the show notes. Jonathan titled this piece of art Lightbringer, Birth of Consciousness. And he is making that art available to any of you that would like to buy it. He's going to produce high-quality prints that will be available to you for $275. And listening, uh, all the listeners get a 10% discount. Um, if you want a copy of the art by because you look at it and say, wow, that's cool, which you're probably going to do. That's what I did for everybody in the classroom. Just went, holy shit, how did he do that? And um, so these prints come to you. No, they're not framed. You'd have to frame it yourself, but it is a very high-quality print. Um, and to get that art, just so I make sure that it's mentioned before we get into the podcast or you don't, uh, should you dare not make it through the whole podcast, my God, that would be a sin. You'd burn in hell for that. <laughs> but uh, if you do want it, it's at Jonathan's website, which is Jonathan Nagel design.com jonathan n-a-g-e-l design.com forward slash products and when you're there look for the print titled Lightbringer birth of consciousness to get your 10% discount you're going to need to use the code all caps check c-h-e-k 10 and that'll get you a 10% discount welcome jonathan thank you so much for having me paul i'm thrilled to be here right on it was nice to be able to bring you out to the Rainbow House and show you how we live in California since you're a New Mexico man. <laughs> so uh, what a what a amazing journey we've had since uh, you shared this art in the workshop. Um, you know, we did quite a lot of discussion on it in class, as you would remember, because it was such a comprehensive piece of art. My allotted 10 minutes for everybody turned out to be over an hour for you, but the reason I did that was because you were actually channeling messages that were so appropriate to everybody in the group that I felt it was actually important for the group to see what was in your art. Um, Jonathan, not only do I find you to be an interesting person, but I think your story is a fantastic story for anyone that's trying to find both connection to their soul and their path in life, and particularly their vocation. I feel our vocation is an essential way we both grow and grow ourselves spiritually so that's important it's also a way we give love and inspiration to others to do the same i mean obviously you're an illustrator right so here's here's your vocation creating spiritual evolution opening you up opening me up opening everybody up and that's your love right there and i feel that now more than ever at least in the span of my lifetime, people need support to find their center, their heart, and express themselves in a way that allow them to both make a living and have a labor of love, which is really the only labor that's sustainable. So to begin our journey today, Jonathan, could you share an overview of your life, the challenges you've worked through, and how they've ultimately led you to being such a skilled artist, filmmaker, storyteller, designer, and all the other things that you do. Absolutely. Be happy to. And uh, again, thank you so much for having me um, out to the Rainbow House and seeing the whole Paul Check experience is uh, <laughs> its own uh, journey on its own. A lot of my life has sort of been uh, steeped in art in um, various ways. Um, grew up painting and drawing at an early age. You know, I think as any kid did, just uh, 
you know, scribbling, um, you know, stuff at school. Um, I did a lot of, uh, you know, copying of cartoons and, um, and other um, things. My parents also enrolled me in uh, art classes. Um, one of my earliest, um, it was a, a gentleman named uh, Jack Ostrom who taught me a lot of my like very first like sight size drawings, like looking at, and out of all things, I think you'd appreciate this. It was a, a World War II military aircraft. And so I would um, take, let's say a P-51 Mustang, from a, an early war photograph and I would actually translate that into a drawing. And this sort of taught me a lot of um, skills early on that would then later reconnect um, as I took the, uh, the path of as an artist more seriously. Um, you know, I also did things, uh, you know, performance wise, I did like makeup effects in theater. And um, I also, you know, played the violin. So a lot of uh, very artistic uh, endeavors in my life were sort of, uh, something that my parents uh, valued a lot in, in our upbringing, my brother, my sister, and I. Um, there's also a lot of, you know, I think with art as a vocation, it's also a lot of challenges involved with that. Yes. And, you know, I would, I would you know, I think it would be, I'd be bullshitting people if I said it wasn't, um, it, it wasn't a walk in a park um, because there's all of the, you know, there's no way to like make a, like the messages of like no, no way to make a living. Um, there's no way to, to, you know, that message was so strong that I sort of went down the path of the, um, I don't know if I would say the ego, but just sort of saying, okay, I'll do this and I'll do it on my, you know, my free time on the side, but I won't do it full time. And so that, um, that message early on sort of, I remember feeling that and being like, that was probably the, I'm going to say the, the wrong decision, but it was the right decision at the time that then led to a lot of what I'm um, channeling and experiencing now as an artist. So I, you know, I went to school for um, uh, media and um, design related ideas. And the challenges I kept kind of facing were it's like, I really love what I'm doing. Um, I ended up working in high tech and software for some of the top you know, software companies the last 20 years. Um, and everything from, uh, you know, user interface design to um, artificial intelligence to um, video games and video game engine technology. And so for some of the best software companies, like I said, of the, in the world. And underlying all that, though, the entire time, I was like, you know, I'm still not totally set on what I'm doing. I don't, I don't, particularly love it, but I'm great at it. So I kept listening to, to myself on the weekends. I'd be doing figure drawing. I would be doing uh, life drawing just from, uh, from life and observational drawing. And that then led to sort of a moment of crisis around uh, 26 when I decided that, okay, I can go down this path or I can take a giant leap and go down this path. And I decided to, you know, that was the biggest, let's say that's the first challenge that I had to overcome was what do I, like, what does my heart really want? Mm -hmm. And so I decided to build a really um, comprehensive plan on how to do that, which was to, um, I was living at that time in Denver and I decided to make that plan of going after my dreams, which was being a visual artist and making a living out of that. So I ended up uh, leaving Denver to pursue my path in design. I decided to go to the top design school in the world in Pasadena. Mm. And 
that was um, something I had a lot of you know family and friends like, well, why don't you just go to like the local art school or whatever? And I was like, well, if I'm going to make this decision, I want to go to the top design. Like I just like it's either the best or it's not. And mm-hmm. so the um, everything from like my favorite artists in film, um, in design, it sort of was this like all roads led to art center. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the best uh, filmmakers and and product designers and transportation designers all seem to have gone to the school. And I said, well, they they're doing something uh, right. And it was uh, it was not easy to get into the school. They basically deny everybody who tries to go, <laughs> and so it took me um, like that was a humbling experience. It took me um, what I thought I gave myself uh, about three attempts to get into the school, and eventually on the third attempt, I was like, okay, um, maybe this isn't the right path. And so I had to actually spend an extra almost year and a half like developing my skills even more to. Um, show this school that this is really what I you know want to be doing, and so they um, eventually it was you know my portfolio was good enough to get into that school, and then I spent uh, another four years in college going through that process in this uh, this curriculum, and I specialized in illustration. Um, they saw something in my portfolio which I actually really appreciate. It was like illustration and also like an emphasis on entertainment design, so storytelling and. Uh, a lot of creativity and the um the program there was extremely rigorous it was something that i you know it, it was i think i might have mentioned this before but it's like it's traumatizing but in a very good way the program really i'd say put myself through multiple dark nights of the soul mm-hmm. <laughs> What was the kind of pressures that, that did that to you? Is it just the amount that you have to produce or is it the technical accuracy of it? All, all of that. There is the, um, you know, they say basically, okay, you have, let's say five classes and you have like every um, instructor is essentially saying you have to meet my expectations. And so you have five, you know, classes at a time that are heavy workloads. And so it's like you're working around the clock with time management with, uh, and it's not just time management, it's like nutrition, it's everything. And um, having the, the structure to make it through that was, um, was a lot. Um, mm. There's actually moments where I had to actually take a leave of absence because it was so, it's like so tremendously straining. And where I think that that school is uh, well positioned is it's, they, a good friend of mine actually said this the best. I think it's it's better how he said it. It was like, it's like going to the top school in the world. Let's say like a Harvard or an Oxford or an MIT, but there's no right answer. It's you're just you're going into a classroom and you're essentially using nothing to create something, mm-hmm. and also at a really high um, level of accuracy. Um, so that it's communicating ideas and. Um, and also, just uh, it's it's very clear to the viewer um, who's receiving those, um, you know, drawings, paintings, um, models, whatever it is that we're creating. So, yeah, it's, it, it was a uh, it was extremely um, difficult to get through that school. And I'd say that most students don't. Um, there are those who are really gifted that also go through that school. And I'd say they're after maybe three terms, maybe four terms, they're already getting picked up by you know, major companies to, um, because their creativity is at such a high level. And 
Yeah. So it's, uh, it was quite a, an experience to go through that school. And I mean, I didn't even know about Art Center. I heard about it from my neighbor when I was growing up who, you know, worked for Mattel um, in the Hot Wheels division. And I remember going over to his house as a kid and it was a house that he designed himself. Yeah. And he had this art studio. And I remember going to his art studio and seeing these beautiful renderings of like, you know, these made up cars that they're making for Hot Wheels and at Mattel. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. How do you do this? And he talked about Art Center a little bit, but I didn't really put two and two together at the time. And then it was around uh, 2000, maybe like 2000, um, 2001 or so, I took a trip to San Rafael, California. And I had the unbelievable opportunities. It was like right around when film was moving from analog to digital. Um, and George Lucas was like pushing all of this. He um, had the first, I think it was either the first or the second visual effects society conference. Mm -hmm. And during that conference, I met the sort of the, 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 you know, literally the grandfathers of visual effects all the way to the current, you know, um, guard of visual effects um, from all these major film companies. And it was there that I met, for example, like Ray Harryhausen, who's, you know, probably one of my biggest, uh, um, inspirations in film where he did all the stop motion animation for like Jason and the Argonauts and um, uh, a lot of these old stop motion animation films. And then it was like his, his ability to sort of like inspire a whole legion of generations like George Lucas and all these other um, Hollywood uh, filmmakers. And in that, I also met another big inspiration of mine who graduated with my neighbor who is uh, Sid Mead. And now Sid Mead, for those in the world of design, is it's like he's beyond a visionary. Um, he designed um, the movie, like, you know, when I say design, like he visually designed the whole film of like Tron um, of the film Blade Runner. Mm. So, you know, it was Ridley Scott at the time who said, you know, I'm looking for a really good designer. And they looked no further than Sid Mead to basically design the entire look plus all of like the transportation, the everything that's going on in that world. And so he was a, a, a an enormous inspiration of mine also went to art center. And so when I say like some of the he most heavy hitter of designers have all gone to school there and that's where it's sort of like everything started leading back to that. But it was Sid Mead who actually was the one who inspired me. And it's like, yeah, if you like, if you really are serious about this, you should pursue design and, you know, look at, you know, possibly Cal Arts, but where I went to school at Art Center. And I didn't really think too much about it at age, I don't know, 20, 21. And then it sort of came back, sort of how life is. It's like it, those really important moments come back in later on and we make sense of it and go, ah, I see what, I see what that moment was telling me. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's soul guidance and that's what we're about to get into. Um, your 2023 mandala is, as I mentioned, incredibly uh, complex. Angie, myself, and those were, uh, that were in class were amazed at the complexity that you could produce in one day. I mean, you know, when, I, when we came back to start the next day and you showed the art, I'm like, how on earth did he do that in one day? I mean, you know, I, we were looking at my... 2023 mandala which is based on the archetype of the chariot and i told you it took me about probably around 45 50 hours to do and you did that in you know whatever time we had one day uh i know you worked on it through the evening so still it's within one day 
but uh, I, I look at it, you know, I'm still looking at this going, how in the freaking hell? <laughs> I mean, the detail in there, and then it's really like about 10 pieces of art merged into one. But uh, I'd love to know, how did you establish connection with your soul or source to begin your mandala process? And what was moving through you um, as you painted it? What were you experiencing? Um, so how did you initiate the process, right? We we all sat down, you know, a lot of people, you, you probably saw the, the paperwork I sent out to everybody mm -hmm. saying, this is how you prepare. And a lot of people will, will not even do that, of course. They'll just show up in class blank, right, and just stare at their canvas. And I've, I've done a lot of these mandala. I've been running mandala workshops for, you know, God, probably for, I would imagine, since 2006, maybe seven or something like that. And so people can sit down, and people will actually sometimes break down and start crying and all sorts of stuff. They can't get anything to come out of them. And then other people follow the procedure I gave, but then there's people like you that have their own way. I'm just curious, what was your, how did you make connection with, well, first of all, what what aspect of you painted? I mean, was it your mind? Was it your, how would you describe it? I mean, how did, how did that come through you is the question. Yeah. So I think that, I think the, the process is really important to, um, describe. So I would say I definitely read the document you sent out. I think that's a really important document that um, helped me understand different ways to approach it as well. But I started setting my intentions. Whenever I do something that I feel is like a big thing, um, I'll start weeks ahead of time, if not like a month, and um, really start to get clear on what is it that I'm actually approaching and mm -hmm. what am I trying to get out of it? Like Start to really set those intentions very clearly. So I would say every morning, maybe three weeks previously to the, the mandala workshop, I actually would meditate, um, you know, between 10 and 30 minutes a day. Good. And those meditations started to kind of begin to align things. Right. And I was asking my soul really specific questions so that those, um, ideas started to, um, you know, come into like a confluence of ideas. Right. And then eventually I'd say it was, I was, I was sort of hoping that there was going to be more of a um, of a surge of ideas that came maybe like a week previously, and it was maybe the day before I was sitting there. Um, and after each of these meditations, I would just pull out my sketchbook and write down notes that kind of came through for me. Um, but it was the day before where it was like the the you know the the cork just blew off, and I was like, ah, I know exactly what it is that I'm actually going to start to work on. And so I just sat there and just. Um, almost just, you know, for lack of a better term, like vomited everything that was coming through mm. in sketches, uh, whether it be writing, drawings, scribbles, whatever came through. And then once all that came through, I, that's where like my, um, my mind and my soul starts to like look at it and then starts to synthesize through it and say, okay, this is, I can say this in a better way this way, or I can draw this in a better way this way. And so then I start to, you know, take that, um, all those different pieces and start to align them into that puzzle that, um, you know, comes out as, as the actual artwork itself. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, I'm glad to hear, well, I'm glad that you thought my document was good enough to use. I mean, with your skills that might, you might've went and looked at it and went, now this guy's crazy. <laughs> I got a way better way to do it than that. What, what do you, what was moving through you as you were painting? I mean, yeah. what, what did it, 
describe that experience. A lot of that comes down to is that I gave I give myself whenever I'm making art, I'm giving myself a constraint, um, giving myself like time, I'm giving myself space, and then once I have those, creativity just like naturally comes through. And um, whether it be like a couple hours or a whole day or a weekend or even longer, but as long as I give myself that space and then that time, um, everything starts to come through. So. Things that were coming through, it's almost like if you've ever seen the movie um, 2001 A Space Odyssey, it's sort of that last moment in the film where they journey through the infinite and it's just like shapes are coming through and colors are coming through. So for me, that's what starts to come through, but it's not just shapes and colors. Essentially, at one point I'm like, okay, and I start asking myself really deep questions on like, if a color comes through, I start to ask like, well, if blue is coming through, why is blue coming through? Mm. So I start to slow down the process inside of the process yeah. mm-hmm. to be able to really, um, it, it really comes down to is really slowing down. So it becomes a visual meditation yes. rather than just a, you know, breathing meditation with my eyes closed. It's as if like, you know, I'm there, but there is another force moving through me that's actually you know, creating the artwork and that I'm also in dialogue with as it's happening. That's what I call soul. Mm, okay. Yeah. You know, that's the, you know, we have more on this coming up, so I won't get into it too much now, but you know, uh, Henry, I think it's Henry Miller. Is it Henry Miller? The guy that wrote the art spirit. Mm, yes. End of the book. Yeah. So he, he calls that the art spirit, you know? Ah. And so that's my favorite part of painting is when the art spirit, starts you you know that you're being painted yes you know you're not painting you're being painted through and i call that being painted and and that for me is when i'm the highest you know it's like okay i've got the art spirit here and totally and i just let go to it and it's like sometimes i'm talking to the art spirit go are you sure you want to do that that might screw this whole thing up you know and i'm like well, the art spirit says yes, so here we go. And sometimes I look at what I paint and go, I don't even know how I did that. I really couldn't. If you asked me to paint that, I couldn't do it. Mm. And that's when you know the art spirit's there. Yeah, it's an incredible experience to just feel that spirit moving through mm-hmm. because it, it's like it knows before you know. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's like that, that idea of like getting out of our own way and it works yeah, the other thing too that I experience is, as I'm sure you've experienced it, when the art spirit's moving through you, if all of a sudden your ego starts wanting to change something, you can feel there's a feeling like it's almost <laughs> like you're about to cheat on your wife or something. It's like you're not you're not holding hands with your dance partner, and you know you're stepping on toes here. Yeah, and like I find that that happens like the ego my ego tends to want to over decorate things or you know put too many things in and so one of the things the art spirit has taught me is that less can be much more you know and so that's been a real transition in my own art is just knowing when to not keep going right because sometimes you can end up being like a kid that doesn't know when to stop adding right yeah that's a big problem i think that's something that i've learned um it goes back to like when I was talking about art center is that when going through school, that was a big problem was it's like, I'm like, oh, well, if I can just make this, I'll just make it. But that doesn't necessarily lead to better results. So the editing process and being able to edit in real time, 
So it's like the spirit is coming through and then challenging these things as they come through and just being yeah. like, does this really need, like, does this, like, does this mark need to be put down? Mm-hmm. Does this, you know, idea need to be expressed? And if it doesn't, it's just almost an instant moment where you say, like, you just eliminate it and just be like, no, that doesn't need to be there. It's just, and so that it focuses everything to the, um, the ultimate idea. And it, it is interesting because I can feel it. Um, it, it feels like a clear channel. Like, it's mm-hmm. just like you go through like a, I don't know, pipe, like you're just going through it. And then when it starts to get too like constrictive, you know, just take a breath and then it opens mm-hmm. and more ideas start to come through. And that to me is like, I don't think it's the same, but when I see, you know, and hear about surfers riding a wave, I'm like, that seems like one of the coolest things to experience. I feel like this is sort of that, but from the inside out. Yes. You know, this discussion we're having about, you know, knowing when not to add or what to add, you know, if you, one of the ways I like to think of God is that God is an artist. Mm-hmm. You know, and God, it's just all pure creativity. It's not like God sitting around going, well, I really fucked that up. You know, <laughs> it's really more like Jackson Pollock going at it with a paintbrush and it looks like he's just having a seizure while he's <laughs> painting, you know? And I, and so the point I'm making is, isn't it interesting that if you look at your life, all of us, as though it is art? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't we all gain a lot from that very same process, right? How many relationships turn out to be problematic and we should just not keep adding them to the art? Or how many times maybe is there an opportunity that we talk ourselves out of maybe because we're insecure about something or we convince ourselves that we don't have time, but look at it in hindsight and go, wow, I really wish I would have done that. Like, for example, if you listened to someone else and didn't go to the school you went to, you may have regretted it one day Mm -hmm. and realized that you were being guided there for a reason, right? And like you said, that previous meeting with the designer came back to you years later and it all clicked into place. Don't you think if we looked at our, our, our life as art and listened to the art spirit, which would be our soul that we might make more beauty instead of, you know, overpainting the world. Absolutely. I think it's a great point and something that a lot of us need to sort of call in. It's like just, you know, thinking of it as not just art, Mm -hmm. but actually, you know, nutrition, um, movement, all of these are like our paint, brush like our paint strokes on our life yeah, or or colors in the palette yeah absolutely because you know every one of them is an expression of the art of living Mm -hmm. you know if you're not paying attention to your diet that's like an artist who's uh not paying attention to what brush they're using and if you're using a fat brush when you need a thin one you're going to make a mess so i think the point is is that if we really start looking at our life as the art of love and the art of relationship and the art of participation and then say, okay, where am I over or under loving? Where am I uh, not participating adequately or burning myself out because I don't know how to stop when I should be stopping? 
and engage the art of rest or the art of um, creative freedom so you're not stressing yourself so much. I think there's a, just a, a myriad of ways. And the other thing too is, this is a bit deeper of a, a concept, but I, I've meditated on this deeply and, and, and Alex Gray's art is what put me into these meditations quite often is that God is not only the ultimate artist, but God can walk away from the painting and have no attachment to it, mm -hmm. you know? And I think there's a lot of lesson in that. And, you know, I don't think Source is really criticizing the painting, no matter how bad we fuck up the world as humans, God's looking at it and going, look, isn't that amazing? Just watch it go and see where it leads. And, you know, if the whole thing gets fucked up, we just pull out a new canvas and start somewhere else. I mean, yeah. not that I'm encouraging us to fuck it up and start somewhere else, because I think we've probably done that too many times already. But I think that there's a real, I think from a spiritual perspective, this is where detachment, healthy detachment comes in because... You know, one of the things that disables artists is their own self-criticism. Absolutely. You know, and I think sometimes being self-critical, there's a point at which being self-critical can enhance your performance, your discipline, your accuracy, but it also, there's a tipping point where it becomes extremely disabling, and the next thing you know, you're got anxiety attacks, and someone's giving you a diagnosis, you're taking pills, and and now you kind of lose track of who you are because you fell too deep into your own self-judgment. So it's it's really an amazing proposition to look at life literally as divine art. But then it's even more amazing when you realize that Great Spirit is handing you the paintbrush every day and saying, Jonathan, help me. Mm -hmm. Bring something beautiful into the world. And that, that, that's the same thing that's being said to all of us. Bring something beautiful into the world. Our children are our art, right? Yeah. You're the product of your parents' art. And, and look how beautifully they set you up for you to express your soul in a way that was nourishing to your soul. So there you see the art of parenting. And then we have the art of our vocation. We have the art of our, our gardens or the, the way we decorate our home or uh, how we take care of our bodies or how we fill or not fill our minds and what we put in our head. I mean, really, if you think of a mind as a canvas, a lot of people just put a pile of shit in there and don't even edit the art. Hi, everybody. Today, I have a very special, practical, free offering for you. I suspect you know that low back injuries are the most common of all orthopedic injuries, regardless of age, profession, or what sport people play. And a huge percentage of low back injuries happen while squatting. Squatting is one of the seven primal pattern movements I identified as essential to our ability to function well in our home, work, recreational, fitness, or sports environments. Most don't realize it, but the squat pattern is one of the most common patterns that lead to low back injuries. We are using the squat pattern when we get in and out of chairs, on and off the toilet, or engage small children. 
Additionally, to get in and out of a car requires a single-legged squat with a bend and a twist, particularly if you drive a car that's low to the ground, like a sports car, which is a very complex movement for anybody with a weak dysfunctional core or who has an unresolved back injury from the past, which is exceedingly common, even among world-class athletes. I would love to give you the squat assessment I developed for the students of the Czech Academy so you can identify any muscle imbalances, joint restrictions, or technical flaws that include the need for form correction or corrective stretching, joint mobilization, and specific strengthening. Anybody that wants to heal from back pain, avoid unwanted back pain, enhance work readiness and athletic performance will be well supported by using my free squat assessment checklist. My squat assessment is ideal for any athlete wanting to optimize their performance in the squat. My squat assessment includes three key setup assessments, 11 squat execution assessments, a list of key indicators of muscle imbalances, muscle weakness, or joint restrictions. Additionally, once you've downloaded my squat assessment, you will receive a sequence of follow-up videos that will show you how to use it. These instructional videos are not only highly informative, they are also free. To get your squat assessment form and free instructional videos on how to use it, to its potential, go to chekinstitute.com forward slash squat dash assessment. That's checkinstitute.com forward slash squat dash assessment. I'm sure you'll be amazed at how effective this squat assessment is, even if you don't have back pain, and how much it can help you help others. Enjoy. If there's an overarching message in your 2023 mandala for yourself, what is it and why is having your mandala near you or in your space where you live important to you? The overarching message, I think for me and how I um, am, am relating to the mandala is this idea that we have like infinite potential as human beings. And that idea, like we're, um, I mean, naming the painting light bringer birth of consciousness. It's that idea where um, we have at like that, you know, in the middle of this mandala is a fetus. And yes. the idea that, from there, it's sort of like the birth of a, you know, whether it be this universe or multiple universes, new dimensions, like we can constantly be creating new things, whether it be every day, but I almost look at like every moment, like mm-hmm. if I move my arm, I'm moving it. And that's like an act of creation. So yes. everything is constantly being created in every single moment. Yes. And so. everything's creating everything else. Right. You know, you've commented on how you like the view from the back of the house. Mm -hmm. Well, a view like that adds a whole lot to your inner world versus looking at high-rise apartment buildings Mm -hmm. and concrete and glass in a city somewhere. So, you know, we can't really separate ourselves from the environment is what I'm saying. So, the, the art outside of us is influencing the art in us and what we do from the inside out affects everything outside of us so there's just uh, this reciprocal feedback loop going on all the time absolutely yeah and that's uh it's a it's a really important thing that's why it's like imbuing the intention as we're you know when i'm creating this it's it's really focusing on what is it that i'm feeling yeah so then i'm creating that feel like if i want to 
if I really wanted to create anger and destruction, I can go and create that. Yeah. But if I want to create love, joy, harmony, peace, vitality, I can create that too. It's just yeah. being conscious of it so that then I'm able to, you know, instill that and have that intention in the artwork that I create. And isn't that just a metaphor for life right there? Yeah. I mean, honestly, if people would just slow down a little bit and mm-hmm. say, okay, today is a new day. It's a new piece of art. And I choose to have a day of harmony and positive relationships. And so then if someone starts you know, being a pain in the ass, you can write there and say, this isn't part of my art today. So I'm going to leave this person to outgas however they want, wherever they want, but I don't need to be part of it. And when people don't have the discipline to realize what is and isn't part of the art of their day, then they often end up getting entangled in all sorts of stuff that just ruins the canvas for the day and maybe for the rest of their life in some situations. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've gone through those moments. Um, you know, I think like everybody gone through trauma has gone through those you know trials and tribulations in life. And it's when we can look at those and have, you know, a lot of love and self-compassion for ourselves, we can then learn to, you know, know that that pain and that suffering is there, but then be able to like, you know, alchemically transmute that into Mm -hmm. beauty, love, art, and our whole life. Yeah. I think it's an important concept for all of us to keep conscious of it. I know for me, once I started drawing, using watercolor pencils, watercolors, acrylic paint, and outpouring more, um, it was easier for me to see how what was happening in my art was a mirror of how I was managing my life. So if I was too busy in my head because of a lot of work pressure, I found that it took several pieces of art to finally get that busyness out. I had to paint it out of myself, really. Yeah. So I found that art could be a, a real healing form of meditation that... um was a was like a living mirror. It was showing me back to me. Yeah, it is, it, and it's interesting too. Is that this is something I think as a designer, um, you know, trained in this. It's also that we can truly. It's like it's it comes through and it can be expressed, but you can also intentionally design it into art. Like to actually say, like, I want this line to feel harmonious. How do I make a line feel harmonious versus you know be in discord? So it's mm-hmm. looking at these and actually then um, expressing that and being conscious of that. That's why it's like it's slowing down everything to that spirit and just having it help us guide us through what we're going through. One of the things I found through my artwork is that I had to be really conscious of my breathing, just like when I was a, a soldier. You know, we have these high speed pop pop up target ranges where we go for testing. And you you often have like one second a target can pop up out of the woods 300, 400 meters away. And you might have one second to shoot that thing down. And so you really have to learn to breathe as you're squeezing the trigger. You've got to exhale with it. Or some like, like to exhale till they're at the end of the exhale and squeeze on the pause between the exhale and the inhale. But you learn when you're doing competitive shooting that you have to really work with your breath. And I found that 
if I'm trying to make a line straight or a circle and not make it wiggle or get a line that doesn't go fuzzy or to even get the paint to draw without globbing or behaving weird, that I really need to time my movement with my breath. And I bring that up because, you know, breath work is such a big craze right now, but I think people don't realize that something like art brings you into the practice of breath work, but gives you an immediate feedback loop to show you why breath work is so important. Because if you try to do it without it, your art won't be as good. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are in that regard. Yeah. So what comes up for me in that is I had a, a one of my very first, I think it was a night class. Um, it was Richard Petruska and it was a, it was a Viscom class. Now in Viscom, it's basically how do you visually communicate? And mm -hmm. he had us take a China marker, which, mm -hmm. you know, or sort of like crayons mm -hmm. um, and a giant, um, biggie um, newsprint pad and I didn't think about it at the time and then it took a, maybe about a couple months and then eventually it's like years where I'm like ah I see what the lesson was he was trying to teach us and it's like with the China marker it has the ability to um, you know it, it makes a bold mark and then but you have the ability to also um, feel the marks that you're making mm -hmm. as you like it's almost like carving in a way so it's like you're putting pressure into it and letting pressure go and those marks that we learned, one of the ones was just basically doing an infinity sign. Uh huh. And my, a lot of my favorite signs in the whole world. Yeah, it's a, it's an incredible because it just it's it's that over you know, just over looping and going back into itself. And one of the things I learned in his class was he's also a, a transportation designer. That's what his he teaches a lot of um, students who go on to create you know every car imaginable for Ferrari and for Honda, like. Mm everything in between and it's that like the whole with a like the the whole side view of a car right and it's like how do you connect the lines and it's just a it's a meditation yes and it's being in tune with that and we learn to really just harmonize with our breath and our body mm -hmm. and like if something like you know intense comes up it's like okay that might need like intensity in that mark mm -hmm. but then it can be released yes and so it's a it's an absolute dance in the process mm -hmm. to slow down and also to have fun with that too and that um we can be more in tune with what's going through our body and and truly like it's getting out of our head it's yeah. literally being in our body embodied in the artwork and then feeling it as it's coming through yeah it's interesting i i just brought it up because there is so much emphasis on breathwork, but I think what happens is a lot of people go to breathwork workshops and they huff and they puff and they get high as a kite and then they go off and do their ordinary life and they don't think about their breath. And I've seen this over and over again. And, you know, I have a, a two-day workshop I developed many years ago called The Science of Breathing and Movement. And I show how critical breathing is while you're lifting weights or doing athletic anything and how the entire respiratory system governs the musculoskeletal system. And if you know how the breathing cycle drives the motor system, then you know which movements to be exhaling with, which movements to be inhaling with, how to charge your core and hold the breath so that you have stability, how to use a, a partial release of the breath. For example, if you're jumping down off of a box doing plyometrics, 
I teach this to motocross racers because they do a lot of heavy landings, right? Right. And so I show how to, as when you're in the air, you fill your lungs, you activate your core, and when you hit the ground, you just leave your lips just tight enough that it acts like a release valve, so it acts like an air suspension system. Ah. And so it actually protects the spine from too much shock. And so a lot of motocross racers, when I would teach them this, said, wow, you know, that's an amazingly helpful tool because oftentimes I land so hard it just shocks the hell out of my spine but when i use this technique i can buffer it and so my point is is that we should all find ways to bring our breathing awareness into our work and one of the simplest things to do is just do a little sketch each day i I, many times with my patients i have them especially if they're dealing with depression or anxiety or those types of things I say, start your day with a simple mandala. So I'll have them go out and buy like a little eight by 10 art pad. I keep it real simple, just color pencils or or watercolor pens, draw a circle and just put whatever in it that you choose to experience as Mm -hmm. your day. So if you want to have a happy, sunny day, draw maybe a smiling sun, right? Mm -hmm. But point being is there's a chance to practice your breath work in importing the breath from just breathing into the act of deliberate motion and deliberate creativity. And I think that those types of activities, because the breath is so linked to our consciousness, that it shows us how to integrate our consciousness, our breathing and our body and our action, and bring those all together as one flow, wherein most people, they're all disjointed. Yeah. It's really, I, I love that idea of just like every day doing an act of art. Yes. Um, and it doesn't, I think a lot of times it's the ego, it's the critical, you know, faculty in our mind that's like, well, I can't do art or I can't draw. Or it, I've, I've actually, there's so many people that say that, like, I can't draw. And I'm like, can you like, can you grab a pencil and just like, I mean, I, I just, there's a part of me that like, eventually was just like, I think this is bullshit. I just, I think that people can literally take a, you know, pencil, and as long as they can make a mark, that's drawing. Yeah. It doesn't have to be Michelangelo's, you know, level of the Sistine Chapel, but they can make a mark, and that to me is an act of art on its own. Well, you know, you, you've you seen my mother's sculptures, and yeah, she's a very accomplished sculptor, and <laughs> most every time she sees my art, she looks at it and she says, you really need to take an art class because your, you know, your proportions are off, and this eye's different than that eye, and you know I get a long list of you know why it's wrong, which right. which irritates me, and so I have to breathe and let my mother be my mother. But the the <laughs> what, what the reason I'm sharing this is because a lot of the most common excuse I get from patients and students in my classes where art's involved is I'm not an artist, and I so I say guess what neither am I, but I'm an expressionist. Mm-hmm. When I paint, I paint to express myself. I don't want to be constrained. You see, if I had the kind of uh, training that you did, I would probably be constantly evaluating everything I'm doing. Just because I have such an analytical mind, it would just turn into a paralytical situation. So I've purposely avoided taking lessons because I want my art to be, I want the little boy in me to have the freedom to be alive instead of having always such heavy adult responsibilities and hearing this judging voice in my head or Freud's superego, you should have done, oh, that's not good enough. 
So what I try to do with people is say, don't think about it as art. Think about it as expressing yourself. And it's just for you. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, I don't give a shit. That's what I told my mom. I don't give a fuck if my eyes aren't balanced. I, I, the point, mom, is I had a fucking good time doing that. Yep. And if I was like you, then everything would be technical. I mean, I mean, I to do a beard like that out of clay. I mean that that's got to be a lot of tricky work, right? Uh huh. And and for me, I would just you know he might look Rastafarian if I did him, <laughs> but I'd say you know look at uh, Father Gregory Boyle, look how cool your beard is. Yeah, I think it's a a, a very helpful transition for all of us in many areas of our life to go from the critical judging mind into authentic acts of creative expression. I mean, a good example is I've had many young men in my classes telling me that they're reading books about sex because they want to be better at sex. And I say, it's probably just going to fuck your sex life up. (laughs) How about if you just pay attention to the woman you're with because no two of them are ever going to be the same. So if you think what gave the last girl an orgasm is going to work next time, (laughs) You're probably making a dangerous mistake because now you're getting into technique, not right. not connection. Yeah. So the point I'm making is be present with the person, engage in the relationship, and let the spirit of the relationship create the art we call sex. But sitting there technically analyzing, you know, where her G spot is or all this, that just turns it into an intellectual uh blockade really yeah presence is super important it's just being able to be present with i mean it could be like i said you could just be making love to the art it's just like it's just like there's a feeling when i've i've and they're not necessarily great they're just um literally abstract pieces of art that just i'm looking at it and going like i just loved how the actual um brush felt going across the canvas yes and i'm I like too it's like you can't replicate that experience because your body is so present with the feeling and yeah. you just feel it going across the canvas and it's like the whole body is just resonant with it. It, it feels so good. You know, that brings up a thought to me too that, that I didn't have planned on talking about, but I, I think it's really important. You know, I'm very sensitive to subtle energies because I do a lot of healing work and spiritual practice and things like that. But one of the things that I find fascinating about painting is that every single color and every stroke changes the vibration of the art Mm -hmm. and it affects me on the inside. And so like I might take a a black canvas and just put a yellow line on it and just pay attention to what does that do inside of me? Yeah, that's great. And then what happens when I add blue to it and then I notice what that's doing to my energy. And over the years I've been practicing this technique, which I think would be fun for you to try. I'd love to see what happens sure. when you do it. So what I do is I get a sense of my center, like wherever you feel your center is. Typically for me, when I'm feeling energy, it's if you drew a circle from your pubic bone to your heart like that, yep. like a target. So okay. right, right here. If I said, okay, right in the middle is the bullseye, then as I'm painting, whatever it is that I'm painting, if I feel that energy is departing from the center, I know that whoever looks at the art is going to be pulled out of their center. And so when Angie was going through her biogeometry training, which measures BG3, which is a very powerful healing energy, it's what's put off by all the major healing sites in the world. 
she started analyzing my paintings, and she found that they were all producing huge amounts of BG3. And because I'm friends with Ibrahim Karim and his daughter Doria, Doria Karim, who are you know gene, the the best in the world at biogeometry, when when I would paint my mandalas for the year, I would say to Doria, "Would you check this for BG3?" And she would say, "Paul, this is emitting huge amounts of BG3." One year, she said, all you need to do is just put a little bit of white. You know, the one that you liked with Serenos on it? Yes. She, she said, just put a, make the hoof on one of his feet just a little thicker, just a slight bit thicker, and it'll bring it right into perfect BG3. And so I found over the years, without knowing what I was doing through this practice, that I was actually producing artwork that was harmonized to the BG3 frequency which I called it my centering frequency. But Angie was able to measure it and show that what, what, what happened with anyone looking at the art or even being in the room where it was present was it would bring them into the BG3 healing frequency. Amazing. So I would be curious to see what happens if you take that concept yeah. and just see as you're painting, what do you have to do to keep whatever's being created centering in you? I love that. I'd definitely like like to try that. That sounds cool. Yeah, it's very interesting because it really teaches you some amazing things. Like the slightest addition of the wrong color or the wrong shape takes you out of your center. Yeah. So if it's that powerful and it can be felt and and you can measure it objectively with instruments doesn't that mean that the same thing is true about how we talk to people or how we organize our home or our furniture or how we manage our schedule? Because those things are all on the canvas of our life. Right. And so if we learn to orient ourselves toward the center you know one of my favorite quotes and i have it written down on my computer to remind me every day and i have a blog out on it right now called living a centered life is the quote is by houston smith he says to the man who lives his life from his center all tensions disappear great quote and isn't that just the truth yeah and that's really what zen's about yeah that's that's what the inner arts are about that's what advanced martial arts is about, is learning to stay in your center and not get thrown off emotionally, mentally, or physically. Mm-hmm. So as I've grown through my various stages of my own evolution, I found that I can learn from my art things that ultimately make me aware of what I'm doing as I'm painting my life. Yeah. I would say that that's a great quote. I, it's something that just, I mean, when we can feel so um, in harmony with, with life, yeah. it just, it's so, um, it, it, it just, it starts, everything just starts to come together. It does. It's like a river that, has, yeah. that knows its destination without conscious thought. Yeah. It just knows where it's heading for the ocean. Yeah. It doesn't have to decide. Am I off coordinates? Do I need my? Could someone pass me an iPhone so I can see if I'm going in the right direction? Right. <laughs> the, river, the river just knows it. It flows from its center. Hi, everybody. 
I imagine some of you are finding that your mind is not as sharp as it was, or that you can't seem to remember things as well, such as the last page you read in the book, or the key points from a meeting you just attended recently. Do you feel that your brain is taking longer to come online, or that your thinking gets muddled or fuzzy when you've got a lot to get done? If so, Organifi Pure may be just the magic you need. A key ingredient in Organifi Pure, called Neurofactor, showed a significant impact on brain-derived neurotropic factor, which has been widely reported to play a critical role in neuronal development, maintenance, repair, and protection against neurodegeneration. The certified organic combination of herbs in Organifi Pure not only enhances mental clarity and promotes brain-derived neurotropic factor to stimulate the development of new neural pathways, It aids in enhanced digestion, which is important because many cognitive problems are symptoms of poor digestion. To get your Organifi Pure, go to organifi.com forward slash check 20. That's organifi.com forward slash check 20. Get 20% off with your promo code capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 20. That's capitals, check 20. Enjoy Organifi Pure. Since we're all part of the collective and we're constantly adding to the collective consciousness of humanity and the earth, what aspects of what came through you as you created your mandala and look at it now do you feel were actually messages for the people of the world? I mean, one of the major things is is that, um, you know, and I'll show it a little bit here just to kind of talk about it, is so the, so the, the, uh, the fetus here and the yes. connection to the upper right um, at like the one o'clock position. I just see, I just noticed that earlier to yesterday or this morning when we were talking, or was it yesterday? Yesterday when we were putting the outline together, I noticed that the umbilical cord went to the hand, but only now that you're pointing it out, I see it goes all the way up to that star. Yeah. That's and cool. Not only that, but how it was actually, how it moves, it goes from the fetus, it goes over the eyelid, it goes under the, um, like this circular shape here that then like grab like the the hand itself grabs onto um, where the sword is yep and then it wraps around the sword itself and then goes under and then through these two dragons to the star right so it's um i i think that the big message there is just really is you know having a very clear mind yes um you know going through the crown like being that this is this sword is going through the crown um being like the crown chakra the mind the head and really you know aligning oneself and that could be one's north star absolutely yeah it's the only one you've got on there yeah especially outside (laughs) the circle which we'll talk about later Mm -hmm. but you know what is the north star north star is probably the most important navigation tool before we ever had navigation instruments right sailors use the north star to help nav- guide navigate yeah. the whole world right and and not only sailors bedouins and people out in the forest and the deserts and all over the place so and the north star really is a symbol for your dream your your direction in life right yeah so as a, as a collective message i th- i really kind of go back to sort of the the idea is that um, you know, living one's dream, yeah, and living in one's—I guess call it one's myth—as well to really, um, like, we'll find the right sort of you know story. We'll find the right abundance. We'll find the right things if we're constantly going back to source in ourself that actually is helping us, 
and it's been helping us the entire our entire life Mm -hmm. just being able to slow down and pay attention to that so that we're actually becoming more in alignment with what is true for us versus what's not true for us right and i think that's a big message that i look at the mandala now and start to see that even more so that's more on the the collective versus just the individual myself having created it i think one of the challenges of of identifying what's true for us is that we're such an a mental we're in such a mental era we're in the mental in gebser's model we're in the mental phase of conscious development so gebser's model starts with archaic which is the earth itself the mineral kingdom then it goes to the magical level of consciousness which is you know the people that lived long long ago and we're living very much in nature um you know even a million years ago um and then it goes to the mythic level and then it goes to the uh, mental level and then now we're entering the integral level where all of these things merge into one level of consciousness but the point i'm driving at is we have such a mental culture and all the social media and all the you know, we're getting hit with memes constantly, and many of them are weaponized. And so we're also brought up, many of us, 85% of the world population claims religious affiliation, which means those children were programmed into a belief system. So the point that I'm making is, is when we're looking at, you know, what do I believe or what's true for me, I think it's very, very important to be aware that the truth that lives in our head is often very different than the one that lives in our heart. And if we don't orient our life around doing the things that we love to do and doing our best to make our vocation the things we love to do, then we don't practice listening to our heart. So you get people that have, you know, for example, look at all the people that were absolutely, what's the right word? I mean, caustic. Mm. caustic to anyone that didn't get vaccinated for the first couple of years of COVID who are all of a sudden now realizing they were dead wrong. And the very people they were attacking were listening to something more than their head. They were listening to their intuition, to their gut instincts. They were using their head to do research, to make decisions intelligently instead of just following the sheep and being programmed so there's an example of somebody could think that they're doing what's right for them, but they're excluding their heart and even their instincts, the wisdom of their body. So I, I'm throwing this in to say to everybody, you, you, whenever you think you're doing what's right for you, you also want to make sure it's right for your heart and it's right for your body. Because if what your head thinks is right is all that guides you, I got news for you. Almost everything in your head is somebody else's ideas. Yeah, it's a good point. Right? There's hardly anything in any of our heads that's somebody else's ideas. And so we can easily find ourselves living a life of what we think is our own creation, only to wonder why we're constantly having relationship problems, constantly having money problems, constantly having health problems. But in reality, what we're doing is just recapitulating a bunch of other people's ideas, most of which are making them money or giving them power and control over us. But once we live from our heart and we marry our heart to our head, you know, there's a great book. uh, I forgot the name of it by John Youngblood. It's a book on mythology. But he says, 
only the heart can deliver justice to the mind. And I think that's a critical concept. And I think painting, for me, I paint because it's an expression of love. I don't paint because I have pressure on me to get a job done like a professional artist has to do. I paint because I'm a creative person. And if I don't express my creativity, it stresses me. I feel like... Um, a good analogy is, is when you got to take a poop, but you keep telling yourself you don't have time. And the next thing you know, you find yourself constipated and feeling miserable and going, damn it, I wish the hell I would have just stopped. Right. You know, and so if I don't express the creativity in me um, in ways that with art, because it doesn't matter what I paint, but like when I'm designing a, a course or writing a series of books like I am right now, I have to be very, very careful about what I put into the painting, so to speak, because it's got to produce a specific outcome for the student or for the reader. But I can sit down and paint on a canvas, and if I feel like shit, I can just paint the feelings that I have, and then I always feel better. It's like I've moved that poopy feeling out onto the canvas, and it's left my body. And I think that's another important aspect of art, is knowing that you can use it to alleviate emotional stress. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think um, there's a couple times where I had a one of my biggest mentors when I was going through Art Center. Um, he's a gentleman named uh, Jay Chapman. He taught creativity, taught time management, but just getting the feelings out mm -hmm. was like an enormous aspect of the process. And I would say that just even that alone is what allows us to be creative is just by getting those emotions out, like whether it's anxiety or fear or anger, just getting it out of the system. And it can literally just be, I don't know, just getting a you know, pencil or paintbrush and just like getting the anger out, just being like, you know, just yeah. pushing it out. And then it's like, it clears up so much more of our life when we have those feelings out, then we can focus on peace and harmony and joy and love and the things that really actually are more resonant, more fun to actually play with than more of these, you know, negative emotions that just get clogged up in our system. Yeah. You know, looking at your art, uh, we talked about this a little earlier. I'll share it for the listeners. As a therapist, an art therapist, and having studied mandala therapy quite extensively, when you're looking at a mandala, the most important expression of the individual that's painting it is the dead center, which is right where you have that fetus in the eye, which is your third eye, uh, because this does represent you, doesn't it? This, right, right. So it's, it's and it's literally. I mean, these are literally my eyes in terms of like I took a photo and painted them from my own eyes. Ah, yeah, good. yeah. So the 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 mandala represents the self as a whole. The so if you take a circle, like you're you, say you're using a um, a compass to make a circle, and then right where the needle anchors itself in the canvas or on the page. That would be the central point of the mandala. So that would be the masculine expression. Okay, so that point, if you put a dot there, the rest of it would be empty except for the border. So the dot represents in Tantra, that represents Shiva being born, the god of creation. And the empty space between the center dot and the circle itself, so everything around the central dot, is the womb of the divine feminine or Shakti, who gives birth to Shiva, who is her consort, her lover, her child, and, and, she, and Shiva, of course, represents the entire created universe. But she is 
invisible. She is the source of power. She's the source of gestation. She's the source of, she's the empty that becomes full. So everything in around the circle is in gestation, and it says something. So these things, these symbols, everything around the central position is what's in gestation. So this is Jonathan's 2023 mandala. So it says from the point of origin of the painting that this is all in gestation. So just like a woman gets pregnant when the sperm meets the egg, and then it begins its mitosis. One cell becomes two, four, four, eight, and that goes all the way up. It does 56 divisions, if I remember right, and you have about 100 trillion cells. And so this art symbolizes that this right here is something that is coming into manifestation in the now, but this is part of the gestation process. So you could almost say this is the blueprint for the guiding of the creation of that being. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if this was just like a architect builds plans for a house or a carpenter follows the plan, this would be the beginning a small version of the house and this would be what the architect or the builder is using to create that because this represents you. So symbolically this says Jonathan is giving birth to a new expression of himself in 2023 and what he's going to give birth to, what this being is going to express in the world has something to do with all these archetypes. So uh, you know, what I was asking you earlier is what does that fetus represent to you? Yeah, I, I mean, so it's uh, calling in new film projects, calling in um, new just creative projects in, in general, um, you know, music videos, film projects, um, more paintings, mm. more drawings, um, just more ways to express my creativity outside of, you know, just, you know, I've, even in the last... Uh, three months i mean i've been creating songs not like musical to the point of like you know being um i would say worthy of like spotify but for myself sort of like we were talking about with just art in general it's like i'm just creating things so it's a it's a it's a method of just constantly moving through new ways to express myself and have those ideas all interrelate in different ways yes good and and so now there's a lot going on in there, you know, you, your face is, is particularly, your third eye is the central theme, uh, as we've spoken about, and we talked about that. What I'd like to know is, um, you, you've mentioned what the third eye, the fetus in your third eye, which is all your new creative products, what do you feel the general message is from your soul regarding the rest of the imagery in the womb to represent you? So what is all this saying about Jonathan's life in 2023 is, is the question. I think a lot of this is just, you know, again, going back to it's like, a, you know, a lot of architect of the soul, um, but really raising vibrational consciousness in myself mm -hmm. and also in those who are, you know, viewing or experiencing the art that I'm creating. Well, it clearly worked. I mean, everybody yeah. in the classroom, right. were, a lot of people <laughs> couldn't even talk for a while. I mean, honestly, they... I mean, we all had this moment of, you know, how do you describe it? I mean, it's like when you, 
it would be like if you walked into the gym and you saw someone squat 1,500 pounds and you never even knew that was possible and the bar was bending so much you thought it was going to snap and it would be, you wouldn't even be able to talk. You'd say like, you know, this is beyond <laughs> steroids. This is, you know, what is this guy, bionic? You know, it would, <laughs> right. it, would, it would shock you to see a human being do something like that. And so when we all looked at it, plus we all knew we only had one day, we we are all in this state of like there we you know how do you express yourself you know you were so drawn into it there wasn't really a way to speak for a few minutes it's like it was like an awe you know like what what on earth but somehow it spoke to all of us i mean it spoke to me deeply cuz i recognized the symbology in there right away i'm like wow this guy's tapping into the collective unconscious in a heavy way what correlation do you feel that your own soul's message to you in 2023, how does that represent humanity? You know, you, you, you're part of the collective unconscious. So if you were channeling not just for you, but for the year of 2023 as a message to the rest of us, what do you feel the art spirit was using you as a medium to share with everybody? I mean, here you are on my podcast, right? You're talking to potentially 50,000 people right now it's i i wasn't really that that part wasn't ever like factored into it it was just more like i gotta just well that's why it's called the collective unconscious right i'm just asking you to get conscious and look at it now yeah from I, that perspective um for me it's you know again there's like you know the the, the black on the outside is you know the collective unconscious and mm -hmm. sort of i'm calling in all of those ideas that need to then be alchemically like transmuted through into a higher form of consciousness. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. So it's like, you know, there's film reels that are coming in from the outside on each of the corners. And those are coming in sort of like bringing that energy into the mandala. Right. To then, you know, go through the gestation period to then give birth to new consciousness. Right. So that's the, I mean, that's the, that's really, I think the, the simplest way I can describe what I, um, and, and bring to the collective. Right. And maybe hold it up again. Sure. There's something to point out there that, that I didn't realize actually until you said it to me. I mean, I'd looked at this thing many times, but you actually, now for all of you that have seen a film reel like they use on a movie projector, right? You know, a standard film reel. If you look there, you can see the four holes. You can even see the holes in between where you could put your fingers in to grab the film reel if it was empty where normally you would see just the film, the side of the film from the from the lateral side, not the not like you're looking in from the side. So it's like look taking a roll of tape and turning it sideways. Yep. And you're looking at the film reel. So if you can see the image, you will actually see that it almost looks like he traced the film reel that holds the film and the whole art fills the film reel, mm -hmm. which is very very cool concept because the reason it's cool is because it's really like a clairvoyant vision so for example i'm i've got the ability that if you handed me a film reel i could hold it up to my third eye or just look at it with my third eye and i would have a whole myriad of images coming up and i would have to paint it like that mm. So it's almost like you've turned the film of your life in 2023 yeah. sideways and looked through all the frames at once mm -hmm. in parallel 
process instead of a linear process like a film strip running through a projector. Yeah. I mean, it's a really good, uh, I, I, I appreciate that because that's a lot of what I imbued into it as I was creating it because I was calling in so much story yeah. and so much um, of that. Um, it's just my first love in life is is film. It's um, I mean, I love drawing. I love painting. I mean, one of the biggest you know art inspirations I had as a kid was uh, seeing Michelangelo's David in Florence and yes. just being like, how did somebody, I can't comprehend it. Yeah. But it was film that really shook me to my core where I was like, I can't believe what you can do with this art form yes. to create um, ideas and to move people through yes. time and space where mm -hmm. they're not conscious of it. Yeah. But we're as artists consciously moving the collective through time and space to another dimension, to another point in their life. They might be going through the roughest thing in their life and that story or that song, whatever that is, is actually moving them. And they can then be transported to the next space where they go, I don't know what happened, but I feel better. Yes. And the challenge with that, of course, is the same thing is true of the sorcerers mm. who use exactly that medium to take people's minds where they want it to go to right. get them to behave the way want, they want them to behave. And the whole COVID psyops has been a fifth generation warfare of the mind and um you know that's that's uh point being is you can use the same technology to control people and do negative things as you can use film to do positive things absolutely and any sort of video whether it be computer generated or uh you know actually film with a camera like you would film a football game or something You know, turmeric's really, really hot now. There's a lot of scientific research on it, but they're not all created the same. So I brought Autumn Smith on to tell you about Paleo Valley's turmeric complex so you know exactly what the benefits are and why you, like me, should get your turmeric complex from Paleo Valley. Autumn, tell us about your turmeric complex. At Paleo Valley, we are big believers in food as medicine. And so turmeric, of course, it has beat drugs out. We know it's anti-inflammatory. We know it has brain benefits. We know it has joint benefits. But what most people don't know is that a lot of turmeric supplements only contain one isolated compound of turmeric called curcumin. And so what we did instead was create a complex. We added organic turmeric and then ginger and rosemary and clove, which were some of the most DNA protective spices studied. And we created a complex. We added organic coconut powder and pepper for absorption. And so we We've created a really high quality, highly bioavailable turmeric complex that will hopefully help you to feel your best. And all you have to do to check it out is go to paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. And you can use the code CHECK15, that's lowercase C-H-E-K-15 to save 15%. Let's fun have some fun for the listeners sure. because... The real thrust of why I wanted to do this podcast with you is because it was obvious to me as an art therapist that I, you know, I shared with you what I thought was going on as it relates to you as I broke it down as a therapist. But I'd like to go through these symbols for the listeners and see how this might touch upon their life. So the first thing, as we discuss, the umbilical cord comes out and goes right to the sword 
in the hand of what is probably a male by the look of it, um, which is the Ace of Swords. The Ace, all Aces are beginnings. Swords is the air element, which relates to the mind. Mm -hmm. The sword is the symbolic representation of mind because to think a thought, you have to cut it out from the whole. Right. So in alchemy, logos means the matrix, and cutter means you have to cut something out of the matrix. So if you just say, look over there, it doesn't mean anything. But if you say, look over there at the black cat, the sword cut everything else out of over there and directed your mind to the black cat. So Ace of Swords is saying that we are using our mind in 2023 to create new beginnings, but that sword is going right through the crown, which is a symbol for the mind, mm -hmm. the, the head, but crown, kether, is at the top of the Kabbalah, the tree of life in Kabbalah, which represents God creating infinitely. Right. So when we look at that symbol and these symbols right here, do you know what the symbol means? I don't know if you're aware of The actual sword or the no, other? No, no, these ones, these little wavy ones. So for those, they were just indicated as like more um, energy, vitality, like sort of... Um, uh, like fiery feelings. You know what that actually represents symbolically? I can show you in symbol dictionaries. No, not off the top, not off the top of my head. That's the symbol for fecundity. Ah. Do you know what fecundity no. is? Means uh, if a woman's fertile, ovulating and healthy, she's in a state of fecundity. If a man has a lot of vital sperm, he's in a state of high fecundity. Okay. So it means the capacity to produce new life. Those symbols mean there is a lot of potential in your year to produce new life or new things. Like the, so your libido is what you draw from to create things, right? Right. It's your core life force energy. So this says that in 2023, you're going to have the fecundity to use your mind to create new things which will begin first as ideas because that's the ace of swords, right? So swords is the mind or the air element. So first you have to conceive, uh, you perceive and conceive before you can embody. Okay. So this says in 2023, if we look at that as a collective symbol, it says we were, we're going to give birth to new ideas but we're going to have to use the sword of discernment to make sure that we want to give birth to those ideas, to those ideas, or we can end up giving birth to more ideas that imprison us mm. or uh, degrade us or separate us and cause more uh, racial tensions and sexual tensions, etc. Then if you count the flowers you have on the crown, one, two, three, four, five, that is number five is always the symbol of challenge it means you're at the tipping point five is the 13.1 mile mark in a marathon the halfway mark and that's where most people start talking themselves out of finishing the marathon if you're in the middle of building a project five is the point at which it's the most challenging but if you get through it it's downhill from there mm. so symbolically five always means some kind of strife. If you go with Hegel's concept of how a creative process unfolds, it's thesis, what's the idea? 
And then the antithesis. An- antithesis right. is the five. Ah, okay. Synthesis is nine. Mm. So we start the idea, one, we begin developing it, and we run into trouble because we realize that the materials aren't right, or we can't get this, or we can't, or, or we have employees that are sick, or whatever it is. That's the five. That's the antithesis. So what what this is saying, the crown is saying that you're going to create many new things. You have the possibility to create new things, but you're going to have to go through the trial of implementing these things because we all have bad habits that we have to overcome. Right. Taking shortcuts, biohacking, junk food, believing anything you see on social media, believing vaccines are good for you without investigating them. That's the five. Mm, Okay. So this is saying that we must use our mind and that we have the fecundity to create something new, but in order to manifest it, we've got to get through the five of our own mind. And a great analogy is you experienced it. You got in my cold plunge and it's cold in there. Yeah. And you see your mind's telling you one thing, but your body's telling you another. Right. The mind says, I don't know if I want to get that cold. The mind says, I should get out of here. But the body says, oh, this is really good. Right. So the mind's giving you the five, but the body's saying, no, you can make it. Mm -hmm. So the fecundity, if you have enough fecundity, then the body will tell the mind to be quiet and pay attention to what's happening. But if you're not healthy enough, you'll have low fecundity. You won't have the life force energy to make it through the sticking point. The sticking point in a lift is the hardest point in the lift. Is that like the bottom of the lift? No. Okay. It's the hardest point biomechanically. Ah, okay. So for example, in a clean and jerk, there's the initial pull that you get the weight off the ground and then there's the second pull as it passes your knees where you have to accelerate the weight fast enough get it high enough to get under it mm, okay so the second pull is the sticking point ah. most people can get it off the ground they just can't accelerate it fast enough to get under it okay so if you think about a squat for example as you're lowering the bar and your knees are bending, as your thighs are going more toward parallel, your spine has to bend forward. So now you're at a biomechanical disadvantage because your knees are bending, which is making them less efficient. As the, the more you bend the knee, the less strength you have. The more you bend the hip, the less strength you have. And now that your spine's moving forward, it's putting greater and greater leverage against your low back. So there's a point where in the squat, as you as your thighs reach parallel, that your spine, your hips, and your knees are all under the maximum stress and the least biomechanically efficient position. That's the sticking point. Ah. So the five in a lift is the sticking point. Okay. So we we are facing a sticking point, and the archetype is saying that the sticking point is really our own ideas, and that we have the energy to give birth to new ideas but we must use our minds together. And you see you have red, safety and security, yellow, who am I, self, and blue, creative expression, fifth chakra, voice, and um, communication. And also the purity of the white behind, let's underline it. Yeah. Yeah. Very beautiful. So then if we follow the clock, which represents the flow of time, we come next to tarot, 
number seven. So that in, in tarot is the charioteer. And interestingly, two and two zero two three adds up to seven. This is a seven year. It's a chariot year. So, what does the chariot represent to you, since it's your mandala? Sure. So the uh, the charioteer to me is um, is somebody who is you know is actually moving through time and space. The um, you know also balanced with um, both the the sun and the moon. So there's a lot of balance in there as well. Now, I didn't depict the entire charioteer or any of these cards completely just because of the shapes that they right. were actually inlaid in. Mm -hmm. But um, for what I wanted to actually show was just that idea that the uh, the charioteer is sort of like, you know, that balancing point um, for the year. That's, yeah. I mean, it's a really simplistic kind of view of it. Um, and then obviously with uh, different, you know, like, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, seven of the... Um, uh, blue dots here. There's three white dots. Um, and then just the amount of um, like using the stars and also the, uh, the different colors to depict um, again, like vitality um, with the red, um, the intelligence with the yellow um, and also the purity with the, uh, the, with the white as well. Yeah. Now, interesting too, you know, midnight is the beginning of a day, right? Right. So if we say this is, the beginning of the year, this would be January, February, March. We're just coming into April. So we've just gone into this phase and we're just coming out of it to here now. Um, now that those three wave lines, what do they mean to you? So for me, I added these as, um, this would be water. Okay. Yeah. Because that's also, if you look in symbology, that's the symbol of spirit. That or... A line like a lightning bolt or a jagged line like a... Yep. That's spirit. Okay. So this says spirit. Now, the number three relates to the Holy Trinity, which means how God goes from the invisible unknowable into the manifest reality. So you take that spirit, the Holy Trinity, the capacity to create the chariot. The charioteer represents the need for balance because in most chariot cards or tarot cards such as rider weight you have a male and a female sphinx black and white which represents two players of consciousness yin and yang but there's no harness to the chariot right because the the chariot is directed by the power of the charioteer's mind mm -hmm. just like a lot of ufo's are said to be directed there is no steering wheel there it's they actually become part of or one with the craft and it moves based on their mental instructions. Yeah, it's interesting. One thing I remember in looking at your uh, 2023 mandala that you showed me was the um, how you depicted the charioteer. And when I was interpreting it myself, I was like, it's the it's the idea that the charioteer is just there, and then it's moving at the speed of Earth. Yeah, like as it's rotating because it's just it's planted there, and I just I love that idea of like how it's so balanced that then it just is actually moving within. Like it's not having to have the Sphinx move it for it. It's, right. It's just planted. Yes, that would be one depiction. The Sphinx, both the Sphinx represent the polarities of mind, which is really saying that the chariot, the chariot that the charioteer is in moves at the speed of thought. Speed of thought, okay. So wherever you think, if you think you're unhappy, then to, at the speed of thought, you're unhappy. Mm. 
if you want to be on the sun, then all you got to do is direct your consciousness to the sun like a remote viewer, and you will be on the sun. You don't need uh, to travel 93 million miles to get there because really the sun's part of you. That's the whole secret of remote viewing. To be a remote viewer, you have to get the idea of the sun's over there and I'm over here out of your head and go into a non-local connection with the sun, which means just like there's no distance for you to go to get to your stomach. It goes wherever you go, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Because it's part of you. So from a spiritual perspective, the sun is like an organ in the body of us. Ah. But we just see it as outside of us. But it's actually inside of us because the illusion is, is that the skin of your body represents the border of Jonathan, but that's an illusion because everything that Jonathan is, he has to eat. That comes from outside of him. He has to drink. It comes from outside of him. He has to breathe. It comes from outside of him. He has to eat food that couldn't be here without photosynthesis, which came from the sun. He couldn't be alive without the moon regulating the tides to keep everything alive. That's a long ways away. So the illusion is is that Jonathan's sitting right here, but the bigger truth is Jonathan's everywhere, and that's why this painting is archetypal, because I'm inside of you too, right. and you're inside of me. Right. But if we look at the charioteer, he has a lot of life force energy. He's got the power of the spirit of the Holy Trinity, which is Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, so he would represent the Son. And the charioteer has to maintain balance and focus or he will not arrive at his destination. And the charioteer is also a spiritual warrior who has to stand up for and protect what is essential to life, family, friends, the world, etc. So, and, and, you know, when you look at what's been going on in the world, we have a few congressmen and a few, just a few people protecting our rights and and trying to bring the truth of COVID and all this stuff through congressional hearings. And there's people like Robert F. Kennedy and Children's Health Defense and many other lawyers entering lawsuits against the criminals that have set us all up. So it's showing us that we have to stay balanced. We cannot get too lost in the world, yet we have to give birth to something which is going to require that we do the work of the Ace of Swords to get past our own bad habits and participate, and we have the energy to do it. And the charioteer is saying, in order to do it, you have to stay balanced, you have to stay focused, and you have to have discernment. Sound about right? Sounds crystal clear, yeah. <laughs> now, so we move down to what would be about the four o'clock position, and why don't you share what that means to you and what, what the symbol is there for you? Sure. So this is the, uh, the, the Ace of Wands. And the Ace of Wands, very similar to the Ace of Swords, also has the fecundity that you're talking F Fecundity. <laughs> fecundity. Sorry. Yeah. Fecundity that you're describing. And, um, you know, there is an, another hand sort of um, this one kind of coming out of like a cosmic sort of shape. Yes. Um, having the wand, um, but the difference in terms of how the wand and the sword is, so the sword is sort of going towards the point, Yes. whereas the wand is sort of coming out in terms of like a funnel, if you will. Right. So there's a um, um, sort of like that, I guess, you know, convergence versus divergent. Right. Um, and also just, uh, yeah, again, kind of, it mimics a lot of the things from the uh, the swords, but they, um, they, they, they play off of each other. And then also 
being more like the earthly realm versus um, an air element like the swords. It's just the um, the idea of like grounding. So a lot of things that if you cut this and bisect it down, everything is going to be on you know this side is going to be on the the earthly realm, and everything here is going to be more on the the heavenly realm. Well, interesting in tarot, you know, wands is the symbol of fire, mm-hmm. so it means transition. It means spirit. Fire illuminates the dark. Fire can turn a solid into a liquid, rocks into metal, and metal into something you can pour. Fire represents the the trial of life, trial by fire, initiation. Um, The wand is a symbol of wisdom. So in tarot, the wands represent wisdom. And so wisdom is the accumulation of the experiences you've gained that have produced knowledge, but it's not just knowledge, it's the essence. Like if you, you could read 10 books on a topic and then go put it to work and try it, but when I said ultimately in one sentence, what did you learn from all that? That would be the wisdom. Ah, okay. So whenever you see wands in tarot, it represents wisdom. So 10 of wands is 10 times the wisdom that one of wands is. Ace of Wands means we, we're using wisdom to make a transition, but we need to gain more through the process. Two of Wands, three of Wands, four of Wands, five of Wands, etc. Okay. And then you have a lot of fecundity there. Now, interesting too, I don't know if you've noticed this, that's a right hand and that's a right hand. Both of them are masculine. Right, and one's over and one's under. Yes, yeah. so over would be more of a masculine and under would be more feminine. Right. So like supination or sorry, supination and pronation. pronation. Right. Yeah. So the, the under would be, I'm supporting you. The over is I'm repressing you. And those, those that are repressing us are using the sword of their own ideas and their own mind to create what they want us to do but we have the power to use our own sword and our own eros, masculine, to go create what we want to create. And there's your five, them creating what they want versus us saying, no, we don't want to be in your electronic jail, for example. No, we don't want our bodies poisoned with a fake vaccine or whatever the hell they got going on. So why that's important is because look at all the battle between the sexes going on. Yeah, Yeah. And look at all the... Uh, the challenges we're having from all this patriarchal dominance with no feminine energy in there and the women that are involved in things like CDC and Anthony Fauci's wife, they're all masculinized. They're boys with breasts, to, to put it politely. So you get these masculinized Margaret Thatcher types that are willing to destroy anything. They're, they're just like, they've, they're kind of like men in women's bodies. They behave like men. So the point is, is what, what I see archetypally typally being shared here is that the charioteer is protecting life from this masculine dominance and that we may have to use the masculine to make the change that we've got to make, but we can't really do that without the feminine, right? We, or we just create more fire on top of fire and burn the whole place down. And that's what we're really at risk of as we move through the year because we're now in the beginning of april so if you say that's june we're this is what's represents what's going on 
in the world right now. And you look at the colors, green is the color of love and it's the color of the plant kingdom and growth. And lo and behold, what are they trying to do? They're trying to make us all plants in a plantation. Hmm. This is what I learned from James Wanless, who, or uh, James Tunney, who has studied transhumanism, tech bondage, and all this, written several books about He's been on my podcast multiple times. He's a genius. And so he's showing very clearly through historical record that the same people that were the plantation owners who then created the Industrial Revolution are now, look at Bill Gates, fake meat, all grown from plants inside of vertical farms based on genetically modified organisms. So they're trying to turn us into plants that they can control. They control the lighting. They control the doors. They control the airflow. You'll own nothing and be happy. You're a plant. And so you here have, instead of the classic brown wand, which represents a walking stick or something that carries you through life, we have green, which is more symbolic of the plant, but it's also symbolic of the heart. And that almost looks like you've sectioned the heart in half, like the bottom half of a heart there. And those look like arteries more than branches. So it symbolically, it's saying to me that we are not only in a situation where we've got to be careful what we plant or how we get planted, but we've got to stay in our hearts so that we don't get too caught in the head. So that's a a quick overview of that, you know, red, safety and security, green, heart chakra, yellow, who am I? The self. Blue, that's more of a dark blue indigo. That's the, the sixth chakra, which is make sure that you use insight. Don't just make mental decisions without thinking about it. Use insight. Look into yourself. Make sure that you're asking, what does my body have to say? What does my heart have to say? And how does that relate to what my mind says? Um, those are some of the key features that I see. The hand is also symbolically about creation. It's hard to create without hands. So the hand is touch. The hand is holding someone's hand. And the hand is creativity. So it's saying to me that we have to hold on to our wisdom and work together to create new life. And we have to make that decision ourselves and be the charioteer. Without like a lot of constriction either. So it's um yeah. it's a very gentle hold. Yeah, that's the and there there's the, the nurturing element that we need to to all bring in. We need to bring the feminine of ourselves to the table, really. Anything else you want to add on that? since it's your art i'm just interpreting no, it I, I think that uh, the other aspect of this is just like that the 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 um it's more like the explosive kind of nature of that um uh of the wands in terms of like using the imagination um and to uh really need that as in like a a fiery element to create and imagine from yes good hi everybody i hope you're enjoying the show I imagine you know that magnesium is one of the minerals that people in North America are the most efficient in, but it's an extremely important mineral to have in your diet regularly. And believe it or not, Bioptimizers has improved what was already well known to be the best magnesium formula out there called Magnesium Breakthrough. 
So I've got Wade Lightheart with me to explain what it is they've done to improve this already excellent formula. Wade, what is new about your new Mag Breakthrough formula? Well, it's called sucrosomial magnesium. So we have seven different types of magnesium in Magnesium Breakthrough because they're uptaken by different parts of the body. But a new type of magnesium has been created called sucrosomial. And what it shows in the research in science is that it's actually even more absorbable by the body, particularly inside of the brain, which is a big aspect uh, to enhance neurotransmitter formation, as well as ensuring the rest and relax response in the nervous system that a lot of people will take magnesium for. They find it, you know, clocks them down, helps them sleep better, allows for the relaxation of striated and smooth muscle tissue in the body, which creates an energetic relief. And so when we added sucrosomial, we were able to demonstrate inside our lab facility that we were able to get better improvements. Of course, we have a partnership with the Birch International University. We have some patents we're working on, uh, which will kind of relay some of these things. But sucrosomial was a no-brainer when we added to the formula, improved the results or improved the uptake. And the reports back from our testing team were like, wow, this we get more results with less caps. And that's always the goal for our company. That's excellent. I love it. I, I always say, and people have probably heard me say it before, I just am so amazed how you guys are constantly and always improving and working your best to not only make better products for us, but it doesn't seem to me that it gets more expensive as you make them better. So that's a real gift to the world. Thank you. Where can people get their new magnesium breakthrough formula? All you need to do is go to www.magbreakthrough.com slash living4d. Put in Paul 10, get 10% discount on your first bottle. And of course, if you order multiple bottles, you can get an extensive discount on that as well. And like everything else, we sell 365 day money back guarantee. If this isn't the best magnesium you've ever taken in your life, we demand that you tell us and we can give you your money back. But I think you're probably going to demand, hey, can I get more of this? <laughs> that, that's probably more the truth. So that's mag, M-A-G, breakthrough.com forward slash living number four, and then the letter D, code Paul 10. Enjoy deeper relaxation and better nutrition with Mag Breakthrough. So then we move to the six o'clock position and you've got the Hierophant archetype there, which in the Marseille deck, as you know, is the Pope. And there's also a Pope S, which in Rider weight is number two, the High Priestess, which is the feminine mm -hmm. complement to the masculine Pope. Now, the Pope, of course, represents the dictators that control the canon, right? Right. So that's the politicians. That's the World Economic Forum. Um, you know, those are the people that are building the plantation around us, right? They're trying to force us into digital currency, vaccinations, and all sorts of shit. Now, from a personal level, the Pope represents the mentor, the guide, the master, or the teacher that has cultivated wisdom in these three levels. You see on his staff, the physical, the emotional and the mental or body mind and spirit is another way to look at that but that's classically and that's why he's got three levels to the crown on his head body mind and spirit so the true master the true mentor on the hero's journey which you have to have the help from or you will never be able to deal with the challenges that the hero faces this says 
around June, we have to be very, very conscious of who we listen to and believe in as leaders, because if we get the wrong leaders, we will be misled physically, mentally, and spiritually, and will not arrive at the destination. The Pope is supposed to be the one that gets you to heaven. <laughs> right. And also added um, you know, the earth element here. So it's yeah. like there's a uh, you know, being at the bottom of the mandala, it's also a lot of grounding. Um, yes. So it's just like having that sure-footedness at that moment is really important before we then ascend up into the uh, the other realms of the mandala itself. Um, I also was really conscious of like you know him staring at his hand, then pointing up. So it's this like you know relationship of the different symbols, but his eyes pointing to his hand that then brings it up to the. Uh, uh, the top of the mandala as well. Well, what's cool is we've now got a left hand, mm -hmm. and he's holding the staff, the wand, mm -hmm. the fire, the creative force of body, mind, and spirit. So now the feminine manifests itself in the process of harmonizing body, mind, and spirit. So the, that's nice. And the feminine, it's the hand is blue, which is the color of mind. So that means here that we that we have feminine input, or we should be accessing feminine leaders to give us guidance of body, mind, and spirit, not just masculine leaders, or we are likely to get lost. And also, if I remember right, those three lines represents yin in the I Ching. Oh, I did not know that. Okay, uh, Yang has a broken line, so I think I don't remember them exactly right now. But three solids like that is yin. So in the I Ching, that would be a feminine energy coming in. So that's pretty cool. So and five, tarot number five, there's a num there's your tipping point. Right. So it says something happens around June that becomes a tipping point for better or worse. Yeah. I mean, definitely there's a, I mean, in my own personal life, there's yeah. definitely some projects that are coming in in June that are um, some new uh, film projects. So that'll be, I, I know where that's sort of leading, but it'll be also interesting as the collective, you know, in June, what we're all going to be uh, receiving as our own, you know, tipping points for the year. Well, we might extend you to the collective and say, what kind of films are they going to be releasing to try to convince us of things? Mm. How well would they be using their sorcery? And will we be smart enough to recognize the mimetic technology being used against us? Mm. And so I, I, I could go into the whole science of memes, but that'd be a very long discussion. <laughs> what is the next symbol now? It's around six to seven o'clock there. Yeah, so this, uh, this next one is the, this is the Ace of uh, Pentacles. And with that, um, earth element, earth element as well. And there's a, I want to say a, it, another like sort of like grounding aspect of, um, of the, the mandala itself, but just, um, knowing that, I guess for me, like the, the symbolism in that is also is like the monetary sort of, uh, value of things as well in terms of how I'm going to one live my year. What's, you know, what's needed sometimes there might be the, the mind, the creativity, but there's also a, you know, a financial aspect to life that right. we need to be aware of and conscious of in order to allow things to flow and move. This, you know, this flowering represents, you know, opening. You think of the flower as the eyes of the plant. It's looking at the sun. 
It's worshiping the sun. It's drinking the sun in. It's, it's really embodying the sun. So the flower is always a really good symbol. This looks like the, a sunburst, right? And we see that we have a circle in the center. We have a circle here. We have a circle here. And we have a circle here. So we've got one, two, three, four circles. Well, what's interesting is four is the symbol of completion. So this would suggest that with regard to growth and life on earth, and here you have new plants coming into being, right? They're flowering, they're reaching out. Uh, this is kind of like the lotus extending itself out of its flower, that something comes to completion in your life, maybe a project or maybe getting a new contract to do something, but four is the symbol of completion. So whenever you see the number four, it means you've gone through winter, spring, summer, fall, or okay. beginning, middle, end, and rest. Om, ah, ooh, mm, underscore. Okay. So there's the four stages of Om, which is nested in everything. So it looks to me that there's the beginning of a new way of relating to the world that somehow brings something into completion that helps us all understand what's important is what I would, I'm intuiting this. I'm not, you know, this is not a rational, logical, um, I'm not reading somebody else's newspaper. Right. So th this is what, as an art therapist, this is how I interpret symbols. And of course, we won't know because we're not there yet. So this is going to be around this between the seventh in the eighth month of this year, so between July and August, and my birthday is right in there, so maybe that's something special for me. What's also interesting about this too is, um, so on the outside, and also bring this up for the viewers to tell, so on the, on the outside, there's two dragons, yin, yang, one's white, benevolent, one's black, maleficent, yeah. um, but their hind legs are in this position they here. They are, and they're, right know, over top of that. Yeah. It's almost like it's an egg, and they're, uh, trying to see who gets to have it. It's interesting because it looks like you're looking at the top of a Fabergé egg. Ah, yeah. You look down at yeah. it like a painted egg. So that's all. Like I thought, I felt like that was something that was really interesting in terms of as it was, you know, being, you know, painted through me. This like, this like kind of like clutches or something that's like this is going to be a sticking point as well. Yeah. Um, and even some of the you know the outline sort of uh, symbols on the very end, like these are just like eyes that sort of symbolize sort of like darkness or like monstrous things that I'm going to, probably there's going to be some precarious things in there. Yeah, they, they might be trying to steal the egg. <laughs> and now the egg represents the earth element, right? Because mm -hmm. it's the ace of coins. So the beginning of a new way of living on earth, which says to me, we got to get back to the earth. We got to get away from fabricated bullshit and lab crap and and you know everything chemical and fake and synthetic and we got to get back to reality is what that looks like to me. And this is people that maybe have an opposing opinion, like Ray Kurzweil, for example. He thinks you can just load all this onto a hard drive. Before we go on, I wanted to ask you, yeah, what made you use all these tarot symbols? So for me, a big part of it, it was um, as I was channeling and sort of going through that process on the meditation, a big part of it for me was just like knowing that um, one of my like biggest inspirations in terms of uh, design is Alejandro Jodorowsky. And just the, the, so there's like the colors were coming through, a lot of the actual symbols themselves were coming through from his art that mm -hmm. I've seen um, in films 
and um, studied briefly in terms of uh, my own, like, I'd say not as uh, extensive as the knowledge that you have with tarot, but the um, th those were some of the um, the underlying sort of reasons of like using the tarot within this, and then the numerology um, to help me sort of find some of the uh, like the the charioteer um, and the pope and the the lovers and justice were something that helped me in terms of looking at my year and just adding in the numerology of like what was showing in um like you know 2023 and breaking that down into seven um and then my birthday just like kind of correlating the different symbols of the tarot to those mm, numbers neat well you've got at the nine o'clock position and that's an interesting position number nine now, there's a 12-stage cycle here, but in, in the 10 system, 9 is the end of a cycle because 10 is the beginning of the next ah. level of being or the next level of creation. So uh, once you go from, if you think of it like floors in a house or in a multi-story building, you're, you're not on the second floor until you step on the floor of the second floor. Okay. So the first step up the stairs would be one. And when you step on the last step, that's number nine. But as soon as your foot hits the second floor, that's 10, which is the beginning of the next stage. Okay. So your, your art suggests that at this position, we're going to have to deal with the polarities of love, which is basically the male and the female meeting each other. And interestingly, you've painted cupid there with his bow which is all about eros and and if you study mark gaffney's work i have a phenomenal podcast with him uh from a little while back but we get into exactly this cupid is all about eros and eros in the hebrew tradition more so than the greek and as mark presents it is eros is that which penetrates and creates novelty See, if you are watching pornography, you cannot penetrate because the sex is the woman's on the, the, the whoever your partner is in a te television. They're not right. really there. And you can't create novelty because all you can do is masturbate. And that's the same thing over and over again. So Eros, in the context of the lovers, says we, you, in your own life here, are probably going to have to penetrate deeply to create novelty in whatever it is you're doing. It could be a new lover, and it could be a new project, could be a new professional relationship, personal relationship, spiritual relationship, could be the result of a deep shamanic journey. But from a collective perspective, it says when we get to this time of the year, which is going to be September, that we have to be ready to penetrate Whatever it is that's got to be penetrated, which is the old ways of doing things, in my opinion, and we must create novelty, and we must do it in a way that harmonizes the sexes. <clears throat> now, you've got two primordial symbols right out of Mark Gaffney's teachings, the circle and the line. The circle is feminine, and the line is masculine. So you see the circle? Yep. And there's the arrow, the line. So... The line just keeps on going. Males always want to leave home, leave home, go out, go out, go out into the world, go do your job. But the woman wants to hold the family together. 
So the feminine is the circle that holds us together. That's classically agape love, nurture. But the male wants to penetrate. I want to go get the deer, get the moose, Ah. go hunting, bring back the prize. And so you see here Cupid, and Cupid is... Cupid's arrow is right at five o'clock, and five is the challenge position in a process. Mm -hmm. So what this is suggesting to me is that through love, we must penetrate together and create novelty, and it will require the feminine circle and the masculine line to work together to have a clear sense of direction, the North Star, and make something happen together. And this spiral is a left-handed spiral, which means feminine energy is critical. So this for me was, so if we go from like the water element to the earth, this would be wind, but also that. Um, And then what's interesting on the outside here is the heart too. Yes, look at that. Yeah. Yes, you have to have your heart in love. Yep. And six is a number of harmony. And when is love best? When it is an act of harmony. So we really have eros, agape, harmony, feminine, the strength and power of the sun, and you see the colors of the sun are red and yellow, which is safety, security, and individuality. So it suggests that we are going to have to work through issues of creating safety and security together to hold the circle together, which is going to require a balance of individuality and collective unity. Hmm. And we have to do it with heart together, and it's going to need a lot of feminine energy for us to not get lost in the bad habits that got us in trouble. So I would that that would be my quick interpretation. Um, there's many many other things. You know, these things can be very deep, and sometimes when I do a report on a mandala, it takes me anywhere from seven to ten hours to write the report. Wow, especially one like this. But uh, so now we move up to the next symbol. We're here at about 10 uh, o'clock. What, what does that represent? Yeah. So um, just kind of like lead the eye a little bit more. So, you know, we go from here, some um, animal, um, spirit animals here. So the eagle, eagle represents big picture view, sharp vision from above, seeing the whole picture. The lungs, um, other aspects like the, the, um, of the body, the viscera, the um, the guts, everything up here is uh, being depicted and there. And if I could go back, yeah, it's predicted the next big pandemic is a bird flu pandemic. Oh, interesting. And and Bill Gates and others keep warning that it's coming, and there's all sorts of buzz out in the media now about all the birds being killed because of bird flu and thousands and millions of chickens being killed because of They've been told they've got to eradicate them with bird flu. So it may be that the bird is symbolizing something coming from that perspective as well. And the lungs, of course, is where we bring air in. That's the beginning of the 24-hour chi cycle. Without the lungs, there is no life. So, And that's prana. That's life force. And so that's those are some really important symbols. What's that one right there? So this is the eagle actually flying. Oh, it's oh, so, I see. so yes, this okay. is perched, and yeah. then this one is flying, right? Um, and yeah, and then the lungs bringing air, prana in, um, the gut, the viscera, sort of like the the internal organs of the the, the central nervous system, a like digestive right here. process. Yeah, yep. and then the symbol here is the cups. 
Okay. So the Ace of Cups. Ace of Cups. So the beginning of something that has to do with love and emotion. That's what the cup symbolizes is uh, love, emotion, and connection. And is that meant to be a crown or what is that? No, it's just, it's uh, in the Tarot de Marseille, it's a, like, this is how they depict how the cups look. Uh So it was a lot of, it was just um, seeing how they depicted the Ace of Cups and then utilizing that as the symbol for that. But I think it can also be interpreted as a crown itself, um, very similarly. Yeah, yeah, because it it does have the look of a crown. I mean, it's a different looking crown, a little bit more... Uh, Japanese, like Japanese style, you know, mm-hmm. how they build their buildings. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and there's, there's some issues going on with Japan too. They're, they're in a very dangerous position right now because of where they're located and who's around them. So uh, there's all sorts of talk of Japan uh, potentially being attacked by China and, um, and I can't remember who's on the other side of them, but I was watching a, in uh, an interview with an expert on this and he said Japan is really in a precarious position right now so they're doing a lot to ramp up their military and defend themselves and they're out in the middle of the water right uh, which is cups and so yeah something is beginning there yeah um, and sort of like the like the overflow of the cups themselves sort of like that um, and then there's like the sea or reservoir below it right well, interestingly, now we're back to the top, which would normally be the 12, but you have the 8 position. So in tarot, Marseille Tarot, uh, Judgment is archetype 8. In Tarot, Rider Weight, it's archetype 11. But as you've got the scales, it represents balance. So something has to come into balance by the uh, 12th month of the year. So in your life, it means... You know, whatever's going on needs to come to a point of balance right here. You've got these three symbols for spirit. They're all red, so it means there's some something going on with the issues of the root chakra, safety, security, um, self-management, knowing what's important at the time. The, the person's body is gowned mostly in red, which is, again, safety and security. And um, eight is also the infinity symbol, put vertically so uh if you look at eight eight is also the symbol in my system for insight introspection it's the eighth step in my 10-step model um but it's also the inside in relationship to the outside you understand what i mean by that or maybe specify a little bit more in terms of the the inside to the Uh, outside well the eight you you got you basically take a zero and give it a twist okay make an eight So the hole in the bottom would represent your inner self and the hole in the top of the eight would represent your outer Outer self. self. Okay. So it means that those, in order for you to achieve your potential, the inside and the outside have to be in balance. So said another way, the, the soul and the ego inside consciousness within has to be in balance with the way you express yourself in the world or you're creating illusions. Ah, And that's what got us in trouble. Okay. And so it, it tells us that by the end of the year, we our main concern has to be balancing in order to create safety and security for you, for yourself, and all of us, for each other, and for the world. But the good news is your scales are balanced, right? So if, if you had painted those things out of balance, I'd be more concerned, but it is 
painted in balance. It also looks like bull's horns. Can you see that? It's almost like you're looking at a bull coming right at you. See the horns? Yeah. And the bull, of course, is um, Taurus, and bulls are notoriously um, hard-headed. They don't want to change their direction. And if you piss them off, they'll <laughs> ram you and attack you. Um, <laughs> so it may be that we're dealing with some bulls, which, you know, we know who the bulls would be. Like, you know, Biden, I hate to call him a bull. He's really more of a, uh, what do you call that? Um, a blow-up doll that's <laughs> powered by people with money that can't even think or talk. So we have to just send him lots of empathy and compassion because he's playing a very uh, important role as a trickster for all of us. And that's the kind of stuff we've got to balance out, trickster versus reality and truth. And so, uh, and also, interestingly, your white dragon has really got her hands close to, or his hands very close to that symbol. What do these symbols represent right here? Yeah, so you have like the brain. Okay, well, that makes sense. <laughs> Use your brains. <laughs> uh also another uh spirit animal of the um of the lion uh-huh so being be, being conscious of your individuality the lion represents the ego or the self and then here is sort of there's a relationship between this and this and that is sort of like sort of like jaggedness sort of like teeth like it's like the the top of the um the movement of everything it's like once it's balanced it's got to go through that one last sort of moment and then here we have essentially a, a um uh, you know, a naked body f like flying through space, and then we have the sun and we have the moon before it basically is balanced between the two dragons that then moves through to the North Star here. This also looks like DNA. If yeah. You see a vertical, it's like you, from your position, yeah. it's a vertical strand of DNA, and, and mRNA is all about DNA, mm. right? And, yeah. And the whole technology is to capture people by using electromagnetic frequencies to control their DNA. That's the, the, the vaccines were really never vaccines. They were um, remote control technologies. Ah, Most people aren't aware of. I've talked about it on several podcasts, but they've been researching. Uh, if you read, any of you read the book, Pirates of the Sacred Spiral by Len Horowitz, he documents very clearly that Carnegie and Rockefeller have been doing research for over a hundred years now ultimately on how to control people via their DNA. So you put graphene oxide and nanobots inside of you, you put mRNA that fuses with your RNA and you wire people to 5G and you can then control their emotions, their beliefs and monitor every system in their body and you got nanobots which are sending and receiving information so they turn you into a plant in a plantation that's being monitored exactly how Bill Gates monitors everything else. So they turn you into a digital target. Mm. So uh, it may be that we, one of the things we have to do is balance technology with the realities of the earth, which would be a natural, you know, intuition for me that we're coming to here. Uh, what do you think it, means to you in your life well for me i mean there's definitely been some major trauma and strife and things that i've had to go through which is this last 
I'd say last few years have been um, have been like realigning a lot of things, but getting those back into alignment and balance right. is a has been a, a tremendous task for me. And mm. I find that this definitely kind of um, helps me understand that a little bit more in terms of how I can. I mean, like a lot of the points that you were going to talk about too, or ask questions about with um, regards to, I think you know, as men, you know, and like how we access creativity. I think that's another aspect is like, how do I balance that creativity inside of um, my own process of uh, making films, drawing, painting, um, and designing new projects as they come around? So I think that that's a, um, a big you know, symbol for that is just being back in balance with um, you know, not only just the masculine and the feminine and the, the different polarities going on. It's also in terms of getting all that in alignment so that I can move forward on, you know, and create like almost, I don't want to get ahead of myself on a new, you know, mandala, but like a new year, but I want to be able to be even more present with my art, even more present within the projects that I'm creating so that it's like everything is created at the, you know, going back to the idea of, um, you know, we're uh, thinking at the speed of thought. It's yeah. like being in that thought and it's like that's the moment and it's all balanced as i go yes and that isn't that just a metaphor for what we've all got to do in the world right now yeah be more present be conscious of what we're creating mm -hmm. you know monitor your thoughts is it really true right or is it someone else's program do i just do what the sheep are doing you know there's an old saying by a very wise man whatever direction the herd's going Go the Good other way <laughs> for your own survival. And so you also have some nice green in there, which gives me um, a sense that there's positive energy there too, because green is the heart chakra. So it's all about balancing the hearts in the middle of the upper three and the bottom three. So it's the great balancing organ and it's the home of love. We're, we're, we're moving along towards the end of the podcast here. Um, Whenever someone paints a mandala, if anything breaks the outer circle, it means that they're leaking into other dimensions, that they're not contained within themselves. Now, you're an artist, and you're channeling creative ideas. So when I look at this for you, I say, well, Jonathan has to go outside of himself because that's where he gets new ideas. If you think of the traditional concept of the self as Jonathan sitting right there, but so you see that the symbol of the dragons and the film strip means we need, for me as a therapist, we need to recreate our story. And we've got to be careful how we manage these two dragons because those energies are involved in the writing of any myth or any story. Right. And if we get them wrong, then we either have too much destruction or it's too soupy goopy and not moving i.e too much feminine energy stagnates too much masculine energy burns the house down so it looks to me like we've really got to manage these two forces of creative energies in respect to all these symbols you've put in here so these to me look like like there's a lot of symbols from nature and there's a lot about our bodies in here yes right and the sun is the masculine the moon is the feminine sun represents the annual cycle that represents the lunar or monthly cycle so this is the marriage of the male and the female that has to come to balance right and that's all about what's going on in the world so without going through every one of these symbols you see to me like look at and a lot of these are like the mouse 
Um, for one, some of these are symbols right out of Chinese astrology. I think we're coming into the year, I think this is the year of the rabbit, if I remember right. You've got the elephant, which has the biggest heart and considered to have one of the longest memories of animals. You've got that the spider, uh, which is about weaving a web, right? right? And, and, and feeding yourself without working too hard. The spider makes its web and just hangs out to catch. It doesn't go hunting, it waits, right? So we could go through these in great detail, but it seems to me that the dragons are weaving this web of creativity, not only into your life, but from a collective unconscious perspective, it's saying that we have to be careful not to let these dragons take us too far out of ourselves because we've got real issues to handle right here. Now, how that might be relevant is because the next great trick, according to Stephen Greer and many others, is to convince us that we're under attack by aliens to redirect our attention away from the dirty tricks they're trying to play to enslave us electronically and point our eyes toward the sky and then pump a bunch of money into the military-industrial complex. But what most people don't know is that they've already have made these alien crafts and they can even use very advanced holograms that look real so they can trick people into think we're under attack, direct their attention away, you know, classical magic trick, and then suck money, even more money out of them by scaring the hell out of them. So you, you, when, you, when I look at this as the collective unconscious and knowing what I know from all my studies about what's going on, you could be saying that we've got to be careful not get to be, get sucked into a sci-fi film that takes us away from the real issues here and now on this planet. Yeah, and also with the uh, like collective unconscious on the outside, it's like weaving those stories um, that's like, you know, being you know, careful to like discern like what's coming in yes. and like the, the dragons are really there for that reason. Like uh-huh. they are like the, the creators of consciousness sort of like, they're so connected to the fetus in terms of like what's coming literally they're you know, the, the um, umbilical cord goes through them. It weaves like almost, and has like, this is like a, a an opening that that goes through. So they're very um, careful to kind of discern like what's coming in and also what's, what's going out yes. because a lot of the problems that we've gotten ourselves into in you know in life is not paying attention to right. anything that comes in and what goes out and a lot of people don't want to pay attention to when they express something mm-hmm. or let's just say like something like food you eat something and then you you know, take a crap and it it's like stinks to the hell out of you <laughs> yeah it's like it's oh poison i realize that i'm eating something bad so then it's like okay i got to understand what i'm taking in so that mm-hmm. then what i actually excrete is health like i'm i'm a healthy human being or vaccinations that poison you drugs that poison you look at all the transsexual drugs that poison you puberty blockers that poison you so we've got to be very conscious of what we're taking in there's something else in there that i want to point out okay those dragons yes i've studied origin myths from all over the world the chinese have an origin myth you know in 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 the chinese culture and they don't use the word god but they often use the dragon uh-huh so here is a very powerful chinese origin myth and think of that painting while i tell it to you okay the dragon's favorite hobby is to create universes and each time the dragon breathes the new universe into existence, it is made of two baby dragons, one named Yin and one named Yang. And 
after the dragon breathes the new universe into existence, he looks at the two little dragons and says, the two of you can rest from managing your universe when you can get along. And so the world is our universe. And when we can manage the male and the female forces within us personally and collectively, we can rest from managing our world because we'll be getting along. Mm. Deep wisdom there. I love that. So It's a great me, story. If you look at all those archetypes in there, uh, stay centered and stay balanced, the chariot. Make sure you are being led by authentic teachers with legitimate wisdom and mastery of the physical, the mental, and the spiritual realms. Be conscious of the polarities of love so you don't destroy things. Don't just penetrate, but create novelty because we need something new and we've got to bring it all into balance or those dragons may be what enslaves us instead of mm -hmm. setting us free and we're all involved and it's going to require acts of creativity that have to come from insight because we can't keep re recapitulating the same ideas that got us in trouble in the first place. Einstein said, you can never solve a problem with the same thinking that created it. Right. So we have to go past habitual thinking, unconscious reflexive behavior, which is why David Bohm and Jung both said almost identically, real thinking is hard work. That's why most people just rearrange their prejudices mm. and call it thinking. <laughs> We can't do that. If we rearrange our prejudices and call it thinking, then Eros penetrates but does not create novelty, which means we just get more of the same. Uh. So we've got to be very, very conscious. What a freaking phenomenal piece of art. I, I think, honestly, you know, now this is just my own opinion as an art therapist and a guy who spent his life studying every aspect of human life life, physiology, psychology, spiritual development, religion, metaphysics, quantum physics, everything that I have to know to be effective as a therapist, a human being, a husband, a father. Um, I think you've channeled a truckload of the collective unconscious. And, you know, it's easy for me to look at that. And I, I would be willing to bet you that if our podcast today was used as a prediction for what's to come, just as we talked about the different positions on the clock, the different months of the year, I think it wouldn't be hard at all to find that it's very accurate. It would be really curious to, you know, take a look at this in December, right? Yes. Just to be like, all right, let's see how this laid itself out. If you have a message for the world right now, based on what's come through your heart and soul, and what you've painted for yourself and everybody else, what's your message? Well, I definitely think that the message has always been um, that we need to raise human consciousness. Yes. I think that we need to be more conscious of ourselves yes. in relationship to others. We need to be you know, conscious in a relationship to earth and the universe. I also think that we need to really cultivate our voices and our creativity yes, so that we are actually, again, creating novel experiences that actually better humankind. Yes. Better, I mean, the future, 
for infinity, really. Meaning less digital pornography and more honest relationships. Absolutely. Like the authenticity that comes from one's own life experience to then bring that into the world because we all we all need your voice. Yeah, we, we all need, need each other. Yes. We really do. Well, congratulations again. I mean, I know you're probably tired of hearing me saying how amazing the piece <laughs> art is, but it really is special. And I think it's exciting that you've made it available for anyone that wants to have a copy of it because having listened to this, it's almost like you've given us a calendar for the year. And even if it's nothing but a reminder to choose a good mentor to balance yourself in love, to stay centered in your chariot, take responsibility for yourself, to think of what real justice is physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, and to know that we are all in a state of beginning in the mind, in the spiritual realm or the fire realm or in transformation, in the earth realm, and beginnings in the management of our emotions and our feminine energies which is really inherent to love and it's bordering right on love right so and we need to give birth to something the the gestation and we need to look in and use our insight and inner vision not just our physical senses i don't think our physical senses are enough to get us through this no we really need to go inward i mean it's a really big part of um it's like we've got to tap into that soul inside and just really be able to listen to it what a, what a phenomenal share and uh, really great to be able to have this opportunity to do this with you. And I'm, I'm really grateful that you went to art school and, and had the discipline to learn the rules and then learn how to break them for your own creative self-expression. And uh, once again, uh, Jonathan, why don't you share where people can find out more about you and share any services that you offer? Are there services that you offer? Yeah. So um, first I'll start with the, my website is jonathannageldesign.com. Right. Um, for spelling, it's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-N-A-G-E-L-D-E-S-I-N. Oh. Or sorry. G I G N D E S I G N. I'm an artist, not a writer, I guess. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, and um, and then also, if you're interested in actually picking up the uh, the painting, I'll be offering prints. Um, same web address uh, forward slash products. Um, you can find it from my website. Um, I also, you know, this isn't something that I I do all the time, but I think that creativity is so important and have like. I've had mentors help me unblock. I mean, yes. we're talking like massive, massive uh, things. And as an artist who's gone through, you know, enough dark nights of my soul, I, I don't even think there's just one. I think that there's a almost like an infinite amount of them. It's mm -hmm. having another creative be able to listen with empathy and compassion to help actually another to you know pursue their voice, to pursue their vocation, to actually feel that. So I can. Um, I can offer viewers um, other options like art, you know, not necessarily to the level maybe of art therapy that you do, but also just to like help them understand how art works, right. how to see, how to draw, how to paint. I have these um, um, ideas that I've been sort of thinking about for this year to start to bring in, and I'd be um, more than willing to, uh, you know, with some very, you know, 
um, hungry artists out there that are interested in how to cultivate this in themselves, I'm happy to talk with them mm -hmm. and see if this is the right fit for them. You mean um, like a, a con to consult them or to guide them as a coach? Yes, absolutely. So sort of like an art coach, yes. if you will. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, is that I'm constantly, you know, evolving my films mm -hmm. um if there are those who are interested in actually you know more on the like helping to produce and make you know larger films i'm also open to that i have a couple of ideas uh that are coming through this year um in terms of uh you know more feature length films mm -hmm. uh the other thing is uh um talked about the print talked about oh and also like i mean i do children's books and i also make a lot of other art and graphic design as mm. well so I, I freelance i do logo design brand identity design i'm open to talking to businesses that need an artist who's extremely thorough in terms of the process of actually um designing a uh, cohesive you know idea and story for their business that's fantastic yeah what, what a great service i might end up hiring you myself along <laughs> the way especially now that i know what you can do <laughs> well I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, you know, this is a print that I would like to get myself because I think it's just such a really amazing forecast for the whole of humanity. And um, I hope that all of you got a chance to really see what it's like to be inside the mind of a, a really highly skilled artist that went through a lot of very deep training to achieve this level of mastery and has a mind that you can see penetrates the veil. I mean, I think Jonathan's one of these people that channels a myth in and he, that might be an amazing reason to have him coach you is because he could teach you to channel your own myth in. And that's, I think it's very important for all of us right now to get clear on what our story is, right? With, you know, your story makes you or breaks you. It makes you strong or turns you into a weakling or someone that doesn't participate or someone that's really into it, or it turns you into someone that's addicted or someone that's balanced. So um, having the ability to have a mentor to teach you not only how to manage and, and use your creativity, but how to express it is phenomenal. And um, it was just fun for me, Jonathan, to hang out with you for a couple of days and, and just spend time with you and, and, share our lives and and to you know be able for me to be able to talk to you and hear more about your story and get to know you better and see what's inside me because from the minute i saw that mandala i'm like I've, i gotta know what's inside this guy's mind because that's not the ordinary mind that's doing that i mean i've looked at a lot of art in my life i mean i've been a therapist for 39 years and i started studying and practicing art therapy in 2006 so you know, I've had, you know, I don't know how many mandalas have been part of my healing. I've done many, many clients that I only used one mandala to coach them for a year wow. or more and had radical changes in their life just on what they were able to tell me through a mandala that they couldn't find the words to say. Can I, I, I want to add one other thing to this too, because I think that the viewers need to understand that. So I did this remotely. I did this from the comforts of my own home. Yeah. And when I remember the, it was a, it was a year ago, um, well, the previous year, I couldn't actually make it out here. Right. And I was like, oh man, there's not a way to, you know, do this. And then when you offered that, I was like, this is perfect. This is a great opportunity to just, you know, obtain this amazing knowledge 
to be a part of that soul family that went through it. Yes. That was, I mean, that alone was powerful. But I think that anybody who has the opportunity to take this workshop, mm -hmm. they got to take it. It's yeah. fantastic. Thank I you. learned so much about myself, about like this takes, a, it takes my art and creativity to another. And I mean, I'm going to bring it back up. It like, it takes it literally to another space. It does. <laughs> and, and, you know, I love the mandala workshops. They're always well attended and many of them have sold out. I mean, we've had 60 people in there for a New Year's mandala workshop and I've done them on, on multiple other themes as well. Um, you know, in therapy, when I do them, if someone say got a heart disease, then I'll have them do a mandala called my heart. Or if they have colon cancer, it'll be the mandala will be my colon. Or if they're in a personal crisis, um, I will say, I would like you to do a mandala and the title is I am. Or it could be a question, who am I? Wow. And I've done a who am I workshop, mandala workshop. Before I showed you my art from that one over there, we've done two of them actually. But people always have wild experiences. And not only that, one of the most amazing things about a mandala workshop is not only your own experience, but all the things you learn from everybody else's experience and seeing yeah. their art and going, oh my God, I've got that problem in my life too. It's almost like the universe brings exactly the right people into the room to give you the information you need about how to heal, how to grow, or what not to do, or, oh my God, I'm going to make sure I don't ever do that because that really causes this person a lot of pain and I can see how easy it would be to fall into that trap. I mean, people buzz at these things because yeah. it's almost like the universe is speaking to them live, you know? Yeah. I mean, having that opportunity to be in at home and like in the, just the comforts of my own space it was like I was. I think that's what also added to me being able to really channel this because you. Like, I remember you saying this, and it was really funny for me. It was just like you know, like, don't interrupt other people, and it's yeah. like I didn't have to worry about that. I had my tea, and I just had my canvas, and I was just like, all right, it's go time. Let's just make this painting as absolute, you know, as you know, as excellent as I possibly can make it. Yeah, well, you know, I think you heard me say don't interrupt other people, but the real reason that I had to say that is because we've had almost every person that's complained to me because they keep getting interrupted was a beautiful woman. <laughs> and so what happens is all the guys are getting so horny, they keep walking over there and trying to hit on the girls while they're painting their mandalas, <laughs> and it irritates the shit out of them, so they finally come to me and say, would you please get these thighs to stay away from me because I'm trying to paint, and everyone keeps hitting on me. So it was really about stay in your own space be together but be respectful it's kind of right. like being in a library you know you shouldn't be dancing on the tables singing rap music <laughs> in a library or you don't really realize what a library is for but no i i love you know you know who got me started on mandalas was the most powerful shaman i've ever worked with in my life rowena Kreider. and she was a great mentor and guide to me and taught me a lot and helped me as a consultant sort of a as needed guide and coach and uh oh man i have to show you some of her books i mean she's just wickedly powerful and uh she blew me wide open with a mandala requirement it was i went and took a nine i think a seven day workshop on the nine egyptian light bodies at her home that she built by hand which is a working piece of art she built this entire thing in her 70s by hand wow and every part of it was art 
I mean, from the foundation to the doorknobs to the ceiling to the paint to... I mean, you walked into like an Alex Gray experience, and she did it herself. Wow, that sounds incredible. And and, and she was a mugi- musician, a philosopher, a scientist, a mathematician, an expert at the ancient mysteries, a highly qualified shaman, an expert in language. I mean, this woman had like seven master's degrees or PhDs. It was just freaking crazy. And she could look at you and tell you everything about you with scary accuracy. Wow. And uh, so she was really the one that blew me open and uh, got me started in this. And when I realized how powerful it was, I started studying art therapy and I studied Jungian art therapy and because Carl Jung pioneered art therapy. He's really one of the chief pioneers of art therapy. So I studied all Jung's work on it. I studied many, many other systems, and I did what I always do. I synthesized them into my own system. So I took what I thought was the most important pieces, amalgamated them into a whole. But my point is it was a shaman Mm. that got me started on that. And she didn't need to use psychedelics, this one. (laughs) She she could, one of my, my most amazing experiences we had in class with her she had to sit in a circle and she focused on each of us one at a time and tapped into our soul and she channeled us through the piano. And you should have seen the emotional reactions to people. Like when she played me, I'm like, fuck. That's me. I knew it was me, and everyone did. And I mean, people would just break down and have an emotional catharsis because it was mind-boggling that there was a human being in the room that could tap into you so deeply she could play the music of your soul, and it was it was undeniably you every time. Wow, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it was almost like she set me up to do what I'm here to do on many levels. I mean, I was already doing it. I already had my institute. I'd written How to Eat Movement. I've done a lot of things. But it's kind of like she planted the seeds in me to help me finish my journey and do what I came here to do. But I was um, meditating in my sauna one day and this feeling of sadness came over me. And I'm like, Where's that coming from? I'm not sad. So I asked my soul to track where it was coming from, and my soul said, your friend and teacher, Rowena, is going to leave soon. I said, really? And by that time, she was 91. So the next day, I called her, and she fortunately answered the phone, and I said, Rowena, it's Paul. She said, oh, how are you? How are you doing? I said, I'm doing good, but I'm worried about you. I said, I've, I was meditating in the sauna and I got this overwhelming feeling of sadness. And so I tracked it to you. And I said, it feels like you're ready to leave the world. She said, you're very perceptive, honey. I'm done here. I'll be leaving soon. And three months later, she died. And um, so it was an interesting experience for me to... I was happy that she was free because she, I could tell she was just tired of being in a body and the world was just kind of 
infantile for her. I mean, when you're someone that's that intelligent, everyone around you is like a little kid, you know. Um, and it gets like to be in a daycare center. I've lived through that. My midlife crisis was all about that. But um, very interesting experience. It was interesting because I felt the sadness of knowing she was leaving, but I also felt reassured that I, because of my abilities and skills, I can talk to her anytime I want to. And I knew that she would be as safe as safe can get leaving her body. I mean, this woman could, <laughs> you could probably give her a hundred grams of mushrooms and she'd just smile at you. Well, I'm happy she taught you all about mandalas because it allowed me to learn from you and learn from her in, in so many ways. Yeah, so that's, that, that was my point. Like you, you see where that was really what this podcast was about today is I'm, I'm taking you and saying, Jonathan's got something to share with you and I can see it. It's my job to say, all right, here's Jonathan. He's channeling a myth for us and it's got a lot of messages that we need to pay attention to. In fact, you know, I think it was your idea. You said, Paul, would you like to talk about this on a podcast? Wasn't it? Yeah. And I, and I, it hit me. I'm like, okay, yes, we should do that. You know, I wouldn't have done that for anybody else. I mean, no, I'm, I'm, I'm deeply appreciative and super grateful that we did. I'm, I, and also super honored to be here. On I would the have podcast. done it for Alex Gray or somebody like that. But, <laughs> but, you know, as you know from being in the class, and, and my, there's a lot of beautiful art. I mean, there's yeah. stunning art in, in these classes. I mean, people blow my mind. I've had people like my buddy, Mike Salemi, who was in therapy with me and I coached him for two and a half years. So after two and a half years, I thought he was ready for a shamanic journey. So I gave him an assignment, art assignment, and it was the first time he'd ever painted. <laughs> and he, you should see what this guy painted. He painted this wolf. I can't remember. I think it had a moon behind it or something, but it was like a wolf howling in the night. And it was like, it was alive. I'm like, how in the freaking hell did you paint that? It's your first painting. I don't know. It just came out of me. And man, so you, you know, as a teacher and a, and a teacher of art therapy, I, I get regularly blown away. I mean, I see people come in and they kind of paint like I do. And then a year later, they're painting like you do. And I'm like, that, my job was to just unlock that. In yeah. You. That was the reason we had a sole contract. Now, now you need to go use it. <laughs> Amazing. And, Amazing. And you know the painting in your guest room where you're staying? Mm -hmm. You see Wait, the, the one above the, the bed or the, the one the one above the dresser that you're yes, looking at. Yeah. Kyle Kingsbury's wife painted that for Oh, me. very cool. Okay. That picture of me yeah. was the first human body she'd ever painted. This is the one with the wolf and yes. the, yeah. Those okay. are many of my power animals. And so she channeled me into that painting, but that's the first human body she'd ever painted in her life. I'm like, Natasha, you painted me better than anyone who has ever painted me. And I'm like, this is an example of what I mean. You, you get these people that just, they're sitting on m massive amounts of talent. Cool. So thank you for sharing all with all of us today, Jonathan. I'm Absolutely. Really thank you. Grateful for, for you and for your life path and your commitment to excellence. And uh, thank you all for joining us. And I hope Jonathan's inspired you as, as much as he's inspired me and many others. And what a great offering to have Jonathan be a coach for you. Jesus, top of the line, baby. And uh, make sure you're not a pain in the ass if you hire him.
because I know what it's like to have pain in the ass clients. Be respectful and listen. And uh, buy one of these prints for 275 bucks. You can have a wickedly good piece of art that'll open you up and probably be a map for what's coming too, I suspect. And thanks to my sponsors for all your great products, all your love and your sustainable practices and all that you do for each other and for us and for the world and for your families and for our families. Thanks to any of you that buy anything from the sponsors that help support the podcast so I can spend the time and the energy needed to track down the Jonathan Nagels of the world, which there's only one, but I found him and, uh, or he found me. And uh, thank you all for working with us to make the world a better place each day we can't wait for someone else to do it it's our turn let's do it lots of love can't wait to see you next time enjoy your painting from jonathan and enjoy living and loving fully a whole great spirit it is done it is done it is done thank you for listening to living 4d with paul check and today's guest jonathan nagel you can find Jonathan on Instagram at Jonathan Nagel, on YouTube at Jonathan's Nagel, or on Facebook at Jonathan.Nagel. Jonathan is offering Paul's listeners 10% off the purchase of a limited edition, high quality print of his 2023 mandala painting, Lightbringer, Birth of Consciousness. To get your copy, visit his website at bit.ly forward slash lightbringerart. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash lightbringerart. If you'd like coaching to help unblock your creative force, reach out to Jonathan for a free 15-minute call, or you can also book a longer consultation. Visit jonathannageldesign.com forward slash scheduling. Mention that you are a Living 4D listener for special discounts on Jonathan's art and creative coaching packages. Jonathan is also available for specially commissioned artwork. Visit his website, jonathannageldesign.com to see more examples of his work. You can find Paul on Instagram and TikTok at paul.check, on Twitter at paulcheck, or on his YouTube podcast channel, youtube.com forward slash living4d with paulcheck. You can watch more on Paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com or visit the Czech Institute site at checkinstitute.com to find Paul's e-learning courses, advanced training programs, and to learn more about the Czech Academy. You could read the show notes and find links to the resources mentioned in this episode at checkinstitute.com forward slash podcast. A big thank you to our sponsors by Optimizers, Paleo Valley and Organifi. Their support is essential in producing this podcast and we hope you will show your support by visiting them online and trying all the amazing products they produce. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a warm review at the top of the show page on Spotify or at the bottom of the show page if you are listening on Apple Podcasts.